Center 11. 28 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. A new report shows that at least 63 children have died from the flu this season. Officials with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention are calling this nationwide flu outbreak potentially the worst on record following the release of their latest weekly report. In the past week alone, the CDC said 10 kids have died from the outbreak. Health officials say it's not too late to get a flu shot because it's still unclear when the epidemic will end. And a Texas woman dead from the flu after deciding the medication she needed was just too expensive. Heather Holland of Weatherford, Texas, died yesterday. The Weatherford Democrat says the second-grade teacher and mom of two decided $116 was too high a price for the medication. Her husband said she got sick a week ago. She was in the ICU by Friday night, put on dialysis Saturday morning, and was dead by yesterday. President Donald Trump is reportedly considering a return visit to Pittsburgh to stump for Republican congressional hopeful Rick Saccone. CNN is quoting White House sources that the president's team is looking at February 21st for the stop. Saccone is facing Democrat Connor Lamb in the March 13th special election to replace disgraced former Congressman Tim Murphy, who, despite being pro-life, reportedly asked his mistress to get an abortion when they thought she was pregnant. Trump visited a North Fayette manufacturer last month, and Vice President Mike Pence spoke at a Saccone fundraiser in Bethel Park last week. Always wait until you know for sure that your mistress is pregnant before you start the abortion <laughs> talk. Yeah, that's you know. that's a preemptive text you really just don't want to send. Yeah, and especially Oregon- in emojis. You know, that's that's that's, <laughs> that's horrible. I didn't know they had abortion emojis. Yeah. Well, no, you send a baby and then you put a big red X after it. <laughs> that's 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 terrible. Yeah. It's awful. An Oregon man will spend more than half a decade in prison for trying to push a co-worker headfirst into a wood chipper. Scott Iverson worked for a tree trimming service when he put Austin Crawford into a chokehold and tried to stuff him into the chipper. Crawford said he doesn't have any idea why this guy attacked him last year, but he did manage to avoid getting stuffed in there, and he survived. Iverson pled guilty and was sentenced last week to 70 months behind bars. Well, though it had a really good run, the CD may be going extinct. In 2017, Ford made its first car in 25 years without a CD player. And now one of the biggest retailers of music in the U.S., which is Best Buy, will stop selling CDs in July. Kmart made the decision to stop selling CDs back in 2016. Target is now switching to a consignment model where they wouldn't have to pay suppliers for CDs that don't sell. So it looks like they may Mm. be going by the wayside. (laughs) The legendary 2002 Star Pack tribute gathering concert for George is making its way to theaters ahead of Harrison's 75th birthday. The late Beatles' birthday is February 25th, and the special limited theatrical run of the tribute will debut in more than 75 theaters across the U.S. starting February 20th. Meanwhile, a limited edition deluxe 10-disc box set and 4-LP box set will be available on February 23rd. Somebody else turning 75, Donnie Iris. Donnie. Donnie. Went to his show Saturday Donnie. in Greensburg. You did. Oh, my gosh. I, How was it? It was so good. And first off, the fact that he can hit those high notes still. Crazy, right? The oh, energy yeah. that he's got on stage. Standing ovations after pretty much every song. People, <laughs> there was a guy near me singing every word to every song. How great is it that? It was great. And they showed this this video before the, the show started. And there was footage of Donnie. I'm guessing he was probably in his 40s. I've never seen it. was so cool to see that stuff. Nice. I hope they put that whole thing online. That would be smart. I, a lot of people were talking about that. I ran into Scott Mervis from the Post-Gazette Saturday night at, at uh, Chet Vincent's show. 
And the first thing he said, and that was like this amazing show full of, like, you know, tons of, uh, of uh, Pittsburgh musicians were on hand. It was a really cool scene. And, and Mervis comes up to me, and the first thing he said was, did you see Donnie Iris last week? And I was like, no, I didn't make it to that show. And he raved about Donnie Iris. Like he just could not stop talking about the Donnie Iris. He said show. he asked you to, to perform, but because of your surgery, yeah. you can't. I'm bummed out. Yeah. But he, it, it's, he's got another show on March 10th, and I know there are a few tickets available. So, yeah, that was the one he'd asked me to do. And I'm it's, it's just so fun. And for yeah. some reason, I woke up this morning singing Sweet Merrily. <laughs> th- see, that's the one I think is one of the that and Do You Compute, I think, are such great tunes. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh. he should he should do like a Billy Joel residency out there, like once a month, yeah. just do a show. I um I introduced the show, so I was just on oh, cool. looking up some Donny Iris stuff last week. They performed Aaliyah on Solid Gold. No, did they really? Yes, with the Solid Gold dancers in the background. I'll find the video. Is there I'll, footage of this? Yes. Oh my have, lord! I'll I gotta Joe see it. Post it. Oh man. Yeah, I want I want to see fun. that. Yeah, every single person I've talked to that's been to one of the shows has just been raving about it. Don is still getting it done. Former DVE or Steve Hansen there? Oh, the one and only, the yeah. legendary. Chatted with him for a minute or so. The uh the North Side uh, legend. It was a good night. Good deal. Forecast today, snow this morning. And uh, if you didn't know, like it uh, seems a lot of people didn't know it was going to snow last night. Expect a little bit of slow going no on idea. the way to work. It was a sneak attack was for it me. like four inches? It was a lot. And the, the right. fact that it's like it wasn't, there wasn't residual snow happening. It's just laying there like creepy. I, you, you go to bed, there's no snow. It was kind of raining. And you wake up and there's just a blanket of snow, three, three or four inches, right? Probably, yeah. Just sitting there looking at you, it had a creepy feel to it. I, mm-hmm. It was weird because a lot <laughs> of the roads in my area were not touched. No. So if you're driving in the dark and there's maybe one other tire track in the road, yeah. it's kind of creepy. I almost saw a couple accidents on the way in. So, yeah, it's, oh, yeah. People are swerving. Be careful. Not all the roads are cleared. And uh, it's... It's slippy out there. It's going to be sunny later today, though. Temperatures in the low 30s. Cold again, dropping to 10 degrees overnight tonight. It's 28 at DVE. It is the DVE morning show. We'll talk with Josh Getzoff a little bit later on this morning about the uh, Penguins. A nice weekend for them yesterday with the win in St. Louis. But more importantly, or more significantly, I should say, Sidney Crosby getting his 400th goal as a Penguin. Mike will have more in sports coming up at the bottom of the hour. And, uh, well, let's get Donnie kicking things off. What do you say? But has there been a more relaxed actor than Alan Arkin, a, a guy on screen who is, I mean, like from Second City on, this is he may be one of our most underrated comedic actors, as much accolades as he gets. To me, he is as big as anybody, Robin Williams, we put anybody on the screen, yeah. the funniest guy, and the in-laws is, you know, maybe That's my favorite comedy of all time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I was fortunate to meet he and Peter Falk over the years. Peter Falk was one of the first impressions I did. Like, I did on The Tonight Show my very first appearance because I knew that Johnny loved Peter Falk. He had him on all the time. So my first time on the show, when there's a pre-interview, spoiler alert, and I had, the, so they say, you know, what do you want Johnny to ask you to set up your stories? And I said, well, just have him ask me if I do impersonations. And I, again, knew that he loved Peter Falk. So sure enough, that moment comes. Now, now, Kevin, we'll talk about the film in just a moment. Somebody told me uh, <laughs> that you do Peter me. Falk. Is that right? And I crossed just one eye because he was very famous about, that, <laughs> yeah. about having a glass eye. Yeah. In fact, I remember reading in TV Guide, Peter talked about having a glass eye. 
being playing Little League as a kid, and he slid into second. The ump called him out, and he took out his eye and handed it to him and said, you clearly need this more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty hip 12-year-old, if you ask yeah. me. Uh, so I did the Peter Falk for Johnny, and he flipped out laughing. And um, so three months later, I'm accosted in the produce section of the grocery store in Los Angeles by Peter Falk, <laughs> who asked me, somewhat near the carrots, uh, how do you do that with your eye? Me, I understand, but how do you do that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, meeting him was great. And then I worked with Alan Arkin on the movie uh, The In- uh, uh, Indian Summer. Which is a great flick. Yeah. Sam Raimi uh, directed. I, uh, Mike I, Binder actually directed. Sam Raimi oh, plays okay. the groundskeeper guy That's in the it, film. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Diane Lane, Bill Paxton, rest in peace. Uh, great people in the movie. Um yeah, and Alan Arkin, you know, I was a guy who I admired my whole life. And so when I finally met him, I, I realized I had been following him around on the set like a little puppy. Sure. <laughs> Anything to be near him, you know. And at one point he turned on me and he said, you know what? <laughs> Get away from me. <laughs> I'm on my way to the can. <laughs> I'd rather do it alone. <laughs> yeah. But he grew to kind of love that you were uh, well, I started emulating leaving, I started leaving phone messages on his, <laughs> on his machine. Dude, message to myself. <laughs> Let's see. I know there was something. What the hell? <laughs> oh, yes. Check on the truck for Tony. <laughs> and get some dog food for Jesse. I think that's it. And then a couple of days later, I got a call on my machine, and there was a message for me. Hi, Kevin, it's Alan. You know what? I don't think it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> there was about nine seconds there. I did not remember leaving that message. <laughs> DVE Sports. Mike Pesuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Mike, Sid got his 400th in St. Louis yesterday. Yeah, it took 11 tries, but the 11th time was... the. Charm and uh, Sidney Crosby's historic 400th goal proved to be timely for the Penguins. Penguins will look for the equalizer here off the offensive zone. Draws controlled along the far wall by Mata into the far corner. Crosby working on Shen there. Now Crosby comes out along the goal line. Pumps one towards the net. Is it in? It is! And there it is! Sidney Crosby, a milestone marker in St. Louis. His 400th career goal has tied this game early in the second. That was uh, Crosby's 18th of the season at 3.31, just 21 seconds after Kyle Brodziak had given the Blues a 1-0 second period lead. So the Penguins got back even quickly, and Brian Rust took it, for there, took it from there early in period number three. Oli Mata picks up the rebound, plays it off the near wall out to the neutral zone. Dunn's pass picked off by Rust. He has a breakaway. Rust comes in, scores! Brian Rust picks the pocket of Dunn. Races in, and this one will count. 2-1 pens, less than two minutes in the third. Yeah, that was just seconds after the Blues had a goal disallowed, being tipped in with a high stick. So the game had remained 1-1. Rust made it 2-1. And then Riley Shane got the Penguins uh, a much-needed breathing room goal midway through the third. Here is Chris Letang through the neutral zone. Hits center red, flips it into St. Louis's end of the ice. Nice play there by 58. Penguins trying to convert here in front. It's Riley Cheyenne deking and scoring! Quick feed in front from the Penguins. Cheyenne finishes it off. His second goal in as many games, and the Pens have some distance. It's 3-1 in the third. 
Yeah, that quick feed was uh, the result of a good forecheck by Dominic Simone. Penguins getting some nice, uh, hardworking, uh, play-the-game-the-right-way type of goals yesterday. Crosby, from actually from below the goal line, mm-hmm. just throwing one to the net because that's what the situation called for. And he was able to sneak one in, as he periodically can. Um, and then the, the Rust goal was a one-man forecheck, but he didn't do it half-assed. It wasn't token pressure. He put pressure on the D, and then there was a turnover, bad D to D pass, and he intercepts it and gets the breakaway. And then on the Shane goal, it was just a simple dump in by Chris Letang, and Dominic Simone hustled in there and pressured the defenseman. I think it was uh, Alex Petrangelo and got a turnover behind the Blues net, just threw it out to the slot, and then Shane with a nice finish. Crosby with an empty net goal to wrap up a 4-1 to win. Pretty good uh Two games on the road for the Pens over the weekends. They blew a 2-0 lead in Dallas on Friday night, but they were at least able to get an extra attacker goal from Justin Schultz at the end of regulation and get it to overtime. They wind up losing a shootout but still get a point. And then the two points in St. Louis yesterday. And the, Pretty good uh, dad's trip tally. Not oh, bad. Definitely. you know, for, for being on the road where they haven't been great, uh, getting the, at least getting the point in Dallas and then the Big two yesterday. I love the way they scored those goals. Just hardworking, playing the right way type of goals. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that wins in the playoffs, what they did yesterday. Exciting game Friday night, too, with you know, pulling the goalie, getting the equalizer, going to yeah. OT. Well, those are great, aren't they? Uh, when, when, you, when it comes through, it's so fun. And when it's against you, it's oh, the worst it's, thing there is. Yeah. But uh, that's fun watching a team try to tie the game late. And St. Louis is a pretty good team. And uh, Yeah, despite the final score, that was a tight game. The, the type of uh, tight-checking game where there's not going to be a lot of room and the Penguins have to kind of train themselves not to get frustrated in those games and don't try to do too much. Don't force the issue and leave yourself vulnerable. You'll hear Mike Sullivan talking about this kind of stuff from now until however long they go in the playoffs. They've already started to kind of coach themselves in this manner. Don't be high-risk. Play smart. And make the other team blink and then pounce when they do. Penguins are 28, excuse me, 31, 22, and 4. 66 points. They're just four points behind the Capitals for first place in the Metropolitan Division. Now, the Penguins have played two more games than have the Caps, but nonetheless, four points back. Pittsburgh one up on Philadelphia for third place in the division. The Flyers have one game in hand on the Pens, but uh, they're starting to get a little separation, the Penguins are. New Jersey is the fourth-place team in the Metro with 62 points. The Devils likewise have two games in hand on the Pens, but starting to uh, solidify themselves as a top-three team in the division, which means the Penguins would not have to worry about the wild card if they can maintain one of those top-three spots. And you got to think the rest of the teams in the division are like, ah, damn it. Weren't these guys struggling <laughs> They're in They're getting hot again. Where the hell did they come from? Busy week uh, coming up for the Penguins. They host Ottawa on Tuesday night at the PPG Paints Arena. The Kings are in town on Thursday night and uh, Toronto on Saturday, the annual circus. <laughs> it's fun. That's a fun That game. is going to be it's a bleep show. Fun. They're so fun. Saturday night? Yeah. The Leafs? Forget it. Plenty of time for uh, some Toronto uh, Citizens to come down and wear their jerseys and uh, put I've, their mattresses out in the hall. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> I've told the story many times. Tell it one more time. It's one, a good story. One of the craziest scenes I, I was ever a part of. I went to a concert 
at AJ Palumbo and had tickets for the Penguins game also. So I was going to be able to see the entire third period. Mm-hmm. So we walk over from Duquesne, <laughs> and the game was like, I don't know, 7-1 to one or something. Pens are, are rolling. And we walked in, and the it was like a boxing match on the ice with several fights happening. Mm-hmm. And in the stands, there were people fighting like, Look to the left of the arena. There's fights going on over there. The right side, like everywhere, I was like, "Holy Jesus, this is bedlam!" And then we went to the Steelhead afterwards. There's my brother and I, and we went over to the Steelhead afterwards. There's fights going on, kind of around in the parking lot and stuff. You're like, "What the f is going on?" Going to the Steelhead, the hotel is overrun with with Maple Leaf fans, and there's one guy. The cops got him. He's got no shirt on, and he's got the, his mattress from his bed from the hotel there is behind him. Somebody had put him in the elevator on his mattress and sent him down to the lobby. So the cops got him jacked up against the wall, and the, and he's like got the mattress between him and the wall, no, just in his boxers. I mean, he was just smashed. You know, he must have left the game early, just too hammered to do anything about it. And uh, he's like, I don't know. And they're they're yelling at him. Give us your room number. Or you're going to jail. He's like, I don't know. it. I don't know. it. And they're like, where did this come from? He's like, I don't know. I don't know. And, and it was so it's damn hard to funny. reprimand the guy slamming him into a pillow top. Right. I mean, <laughs> you're going to give me the information. Wow. Can you do that again? That feels pretty good. How funny did it look when like that elevator door opened? There's a guy passed out on a mattress in the elevator. And how many runs up and down did he do before someone finally brought him out? You know, there's a lesson to be learned there. Uh, whenever I go on the road, I put my hotel room number on, on a piece of paper and I put it in my back pocket. Because, oh, wow. Uh, there have been times when I've come back to the hotel and... Gone in the wrong room? Well, the it, the number of the room has escaped me. Uh, what if you lost it out of your back pocket, I've, Mike? you got to write it on yourself like I got memento. Issues. Why don't you take a picture with your phone? You know when you go to the desk in the wee hours of the morning and I say, do. hey, I'm staying here, but I don't know what room I'm in. They, yeah. They really... Uh, it depends what state They don't do, deal real well with that sometimes. That. If, you're sl- if you're slurring and slobbering yeah. all over yourself, uh, this, this may they don't occurred. take kindly to it, yeah. This I was on the road with Kreischer one weekend. He lost five room keys. Every night we were there, sometimes twice in a day, he was going to the front desk and be like, I don't know where my key is. <laughs> Steelers did a little business over the weekend, uh, reworking the contracts of David DeCastro and Stefan Tuitt. That cleared up about $13 million in salary cap room. They used some of that to sign fullback Roosevelt next to a four-year extension through 2021. Pitchers and catchers for the Buccos report to Bradenton today. Yay. Da-da-da-da-da-da. And uh, Pitt remains Money. with... Pitt remains, remains winless in the ACC. It's now uh, 0-13 in conference after getting nipped by Louisville 94-60 to at the Peterson Event Center. Panthers are 18, 8-18 overall. Number 17, West Virginia lost to Oklahoma State at home on Saturday, 88-85, to and Duquesne lost to Fordham, 80-57. to Penn State, a 74-52 winner over Illinois. Good deal.
Thanks, Mike. Val, what do you got coming up top of the hour? Well, a daycare worker is in trouble after waxing a two-year-old's unibrow, and Richard Pryor's daughter is denying her dad had sex with Marlon Brando. We'll talk about that stuff and more coming up. Snow this morning, but going to be sunny later. Temperatures in the low 30s. It's 27 at DDE. Pittsburgh Polar Plunge is coming up. It benefits Children's Hospital, I'm sorry, Special Olympics of Western uh, Pennsylvania. You can go to specialolympicspa.org to join us on Saturday, February 24th at Heinz Field. Now, the Plunge Festival runs from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. and includes activities, games for the whole family. Check it out, specialolympicspa.org. Yeah, it's Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show, and we told you about uh, how pitchers, catchers are reporting to Bradenton. And, you know, that it's spring training time. Sure, you're going to wake up to three inches of snow this morning, blanketing the city that you <laughs> didn't know was coming. But surprise, that notwithstanding, uh, it's the weather's been enough to make you want to get out of here without that morning morning surprise. That sounds funny. Sounds like something you order at Denny's. I'll have the morning surprise. <laughs> well, we're giving you a chance to get out and go to spring training. Not in Bradenton, but. If they're going to get rid of your favorite Pittsburgh Pirates, well, we're giving you an opportunity to continue to root for those guys. So we're giving away a trip to West Palm Beach to see Garrett Cole pitch with the Houston Astros in their spring training facility in Winter Haven, or West Palm, I'm sorry, or Andrew McCutcheon with the Giants in Scottsdale, Arizona. We're giving away two separate trips, hotel, airfare, tickets, all you got to do is go take the nutting quiz. DVE.com slash contest. This is a good quiz. It is. Kudos to Mike. Mike pursued to put this together. It's very funny. Uh, but it's all true. It's based on 100. It's science. So it's funny and sad at the same time. <laughs> it really, really is. Uh, go check that out. Uh, take part in it. If you get a perfect score, and like Val always says, you can cheat. Yeah, it's okay. We won't tell. You'll get thrown into the mix, and you might be the lucky person, one of the lucky people, who are off to see either Garrett Cole or Andrew McCutcheon in, Andrew McCutcheon in their new confines, in their new home. It's an opportunity to go out and at least say goodbye. Yeah, They do these moves in the offseason, and you don't get the proper goodbye. That's right. We're going to hook you up with a chance to keep rooting for your favorite buckos. Spring training, fly away. DVE.com. Coming up a little in uh, in just a little bit. The, the guy who paints pictures of sexual encounters he's had with aliens in New Jersey. <laughs> you don't want to miss that one. And how a couple's dream sank on the second day they were in their dream boat. I'll explain. Steppenwolf, DVE. Oh, yeah, Magic Carpet Ride. Uh, I, I like this renewed uh, Steppenwolf Wolf. interest in the playlist, Val. I'm a big Steppenwolf fan. I'd like to submit maybe we go a little deeper. Sure. Not born to be, I mean, born you, to be wild. You run the show, so. But, like, I'd like to hear maybe Jupiter's Child. Just saying. You're, I don't know if I know that the one. controls. Oh, uh, they're like this great blues rock band with a crazy lead singer. <laughs> it's the tale of every rock and roll band of that era. Again, I, I know I said it, I think in this exact same time slot, one of the best all-time behind the musics, the Steppenwolf behind the music. I don't remember that one. If you can find it online, 
watch it. it Definitely. Oh, uh, yeah. He know. like he was one of those guys who like John Kay. You know, he didn't care about anybody. Nobody else in the band mattered. He's basically mm-hmm. like everybody's replaceable. He's like a cross of like Tommy Wazoo or Wazo, whatever the guy from the room. He's got a little bit of him going mm-hmm. on because he doesn't make uh, and a little bit of Gene Simmons. He's like a cross between the two of wow. them. Wow. Yeah, no, I'm not even kidding. That's the that is the best description of him. If you watch it, you'd be like, wow, this is Tommy Wazo and Gene Simmons, love child. Serena and I were talking over the weekend. I wish that the behind the music, if they would bring all those back and put them on Netflix. And oh my god, that's a great call. All of the early seasons of either Real World or Last Comic Standing, like the first couple seasons where it was like Todd Glass and Gary Gallman and Ralphie May and Heffron and yeah. all, like Tammy, just all of the all of our friends, yeah, pretty much like young, yeah, doing that show. I I would love to go back when they actually made the comics stay in like the same house. Yeah, the first three for years the, for the duration of the show. Until they figured out that they were all drug-addled uh, sexual predators. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't keep them in a house by themselves. No, that was a bad idea yeah. in retrospect. Uh, but I'd still like to see that bad idea play That'd be out. on Hulu. It'd be on Hulu, wouldn't it? It's an NBC show. Yeah. No. It should be. It's not. Hulu should get on that. Val has news coming up next. What do you got there, Val? We're going to talk about the daycare worker in trouble after waxing a two-year-old's eyebrows. And also, uh, Rain Pryor says her dad did not have sex with Marlon Brando. And a, oh, an, a, an Olympic update coming up for you. And, of course, the terrible towel has made its way to Pyong, Pyong, Pyongyang. Pyong, how is it? Pyongyang. Pyong, Pyongyang. Okay. You don't have to say it like that. <laughs> oh, is that racist? Pyongyang, Pyongyang. Yeah, it's like yeah. The guy in Boston just got suspended for for making uh, doing the uh, Asian accent, so we shouldn't do that. Oh, but I guess if you go into an Italian restaurant, it's not like you just all of a sudden you're like, I'll have the fettuccine. That's not how you're supposed to order. No, that would be great if you. That's did. how Giada says it, but she's Italian, so oh, does she, she can get away with it. Yeah, it's like uh, you, you know. sound like uh, Corey Feldman in the Goonies. I like uh, the fettuccine <laughs> and the musicals. Uh, it's gonna be a good day. Goonies reference before seven a.m. It snowed while you were sleeping, folks. Take uh, special care on your way in today, and the delays are starting to come in yet again. More delays in Pittsburgh, and. Um, to uh, to repeat, we are giving you an opportunity to keep rooting for your favorite Bucka. Center 11. It's 26 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by Giant Eagle Curbside Express. I'm Val Porter. Family members are questioning what led to the shooting death of a 39-year-old man by Pittsburgh police. Investigators say Mark Daniels was found near the intersection of Brushton Avenue and Bennett Street in Homewood about 1.30 Sunday morning. Police say Daniels opened fire on them after a brief foot chase. Police say they returned fire and killed Daniels. Family members, though, say Daniels didn't own or carry a gun. New York's attorney general is suing disgraced film executive Harvey Weinstein and his company over the sexual misconduct scandal surrounding him. Attorney General Eric Schneiderman says the Weinstein company failed to protect its workers from what it says were repeated instances of sexual harassment, intimidation and other misconduct. Schneiderman's office says the lawsuit contains new allegations against Weinstein, who has already been accused of numerous cases of sexual harassment and assault. The lawsuit is also looking to make sure the alleged victims are compensated through any sale of the Weinstein Company. A man suspected of illegally hunting lions in a South African nature preserve became the hunted over the weekend. 
That's when the lions turned the tables and devoured him. They oh. left just his head. Oh. oh, that's where all the... Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, that poacher not making out the way he thought he was going no. to. Lions kill about 250 people a year in Africa. Good. He's a right. poacher. Mm-hmm. One for the lions. Feel bad. It wasn't Yikes. a dentist from Minnesota or anything like that, was it? I don't know that. I wonder if that would turn the, t- the tide a little bit. Like, that would really be an interesting discussion here. Not that we are, uh, you know. Encouraging the lions to eat people? <laughs> no, I actually, poachers, I'm fine with it. I You're mean, that's what they do. Yeah. That's why you don't go try to hunt them. But if that in the brush, the guy, the Minnesota dentist, that was it Cecil the lion. Yeah, yes, Cecil the lion. If he would have got mauled, (laughs) (laughs) you kind of like the idea of that having happened. Like, well, you know, would we be? Would everyone feel bad about it, or would they be kind of like, well? I mean, it's a risk you take. Guess you shouldn't have been poaching. No, I think you it's know like, you you feel really that, bad when the conservationist, like somebody who's lived their life with the animal, like whenever the the crocodile hunter. I mean, a lot of people were like, "Dude, that's what you get. You're screwing with these animals. Eventually, it they're going to wildlife. You're, they're going to snap back." Yeah. Or but, but but if somebody you know we've had deaths in the Pittsburgh Zoo from caretakers. That's a different thing. That's you know that's tragedy, mm-hmm. and you can order, argue, you know, conservation. Uh, uh, or or zoos, whether it's a good thing if if it's you know, incarcerating animals is really a good thing for the conservation of that animal. I mean, S- Sally's a huge proponent of it. She loves animals more than anybody mm-hmm. I know. But it's the guys oh, who are hunting you, mm-hmm. illegally. Yes. Yeah. That's the thing. Yes. You know, on a nature preserve, a legal hunt is a different thing. You know, you're illegally hunting. Well, you know, I'm, I, don't, I might I just, be rooting for the lion. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I don't. I just don't think it should be legal to hunt lions and elephants and you know exotic animals. You're not like a that. big trophy, uh, big game trophy hunter uh, uh, fan. No. Yeah. Like if you're if you're killing a deer, you can eat that meat. You can. You know what I'm saying? Like it has a purpose. Now there are instances where that is also to help conservation. Like there is that. That's what people say. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that much about what killing conser- lions conservation. Yeah, I'm fine with it. If they're that- killing an older member of the herd or whatever that's not productive to the species. That's they're what like, they we got to kill this grumpy bastard. He's really <laughs> ruining <laughs> can, this pride. Can we do that? <laughs> Can't they just trade him to another team? It may be. He won't let any of the the new guys step up. <laughs> He's got to go. Then the Patriots pick him up, and they then they play one more hunt. <laughs> if you don't know or you forgot, uh, this Wednesday is Valentine's Day. So when do people drop the L word for the first time? According yeah. to a new survey, more than fifty percent of respondents said they would wait at least three months before saying "I love you" for the first time. Thirty-three percent of women and twenty-nine percent of men were somewhere in between, saying they'd say those three little words. Between one and three months, but when it came to early L word users, men more than twice as likely to say "I love you" immediately, <laughs> like well, after only knowing someone for a week. Yeah, the, those guys. They, there's a reason for them doing that. Why are we waiting? Yeah. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? In retrospect, I might have rushed this. I might. I need not, some space. I might have not meant that at all. 
A daycare center in Washington state is under investigation after the mother of a two-year-old complained that workers there waxed her daughter's eyebrows. Alyssa Salgado says she was shocked when she went to pick up her daughter and noticed her unibrow had been waxed. It's not clear if the babysitters did it as a joke or if they thought that they were helping her, but Salgado was understandably upset and expressed her anger on Facebook, writing, I saw a red mark in between her eyebrows. I think it's a scratch, but as soon as I get home, I get a closer look. These women decided to wax my daughter's unibrow. I'm a mother. Nothing like this should ever happen. They had no right to touch my daughter at all. The Washington State Department of Early Learning, which issues licenses to daycare facilities, is leading an investigation. Meanwhile, mom has pulled the little girl out of that daycare center. Well, I mean, <laughs> at least shave it. Don't wax it. I mean, it's going to be painful for the kid. A forced unibrow intervention. I like it, though. I mean, you got to be proactive nowadays. Wouldn't that be awesome if you could just do that to people on the street? <laughs> like, if you saw somebody with a unibrow, you should be able to be like, come here, we're going we're gonna to wax that for you. You're not walking around like that. I, I'm going to put that in my you know Black Mirror list of dystopian uh, society rules that I want implemented, along with you're allowed to punch w- one person in the face per year, because I really do think it would make everybody act a lot nicer in public because you never know if one of, somebody's going to use up their punch on you and just yeah. come over and just whoosh, you know sucker punch you and knock you right out at the Walmart because you're being a pain in the ass. But one unibrow removal a year, I don't know, that, that's just for fun. Maybe you should earn that like points in a video game. Mm-hmm. Like you should rack it up. You're like, you know, you've been really good the last month. You could take off somebody's unibrow. <laughs> uh, the weekend box, box office shockingly being dominated by the third installment of the Fifty Shades trilogy. Uh, trilogy. Oh, Fifty I had fun, Shades Freed. I had fun reading reviews of that this weekend. People uh, hated it. Almost $40 million. I mean, that's a wow. pretty good weekend. Huge. Huge. That's not, you know, superhero movie, but that's pretty good. And they get married in this one, right? Yes. And then, uh, Spoiler alert. Yeah. Then the next one is Fifty Shades and a Baby. The rest of the top five <laughs> include Sony's Peter Rabbit, Clint Eastwood's The 1517 to Paris, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, and The Greatest Showman still in the top five. I'm not sure who cares, but speaking of movies, the chances of a Sex in the City reunion took a big hit over the weekend <laughs> when Kim Cattrall slammed co-star Sarah Jessica Parker. A week after her brother was found dead, Kim went on Instagram to confirm her feelings about Sarah. Uh, she wrote, My mom asked me today, when will that at Sarah Jessica Parker, that hypocrite, leave you alone? Your continuous reaching out is a painful reminder of how cruel you really were then and now. Let me make this very clear, if I haven't already. You are not my family. You are not my friend. So I'm writing to tell you one last time to stop exploiting our tragedy tragedy in order to restore your nice girl persona. Whoa. I don't need your love or support Oof. at this tragic time at Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeesh. Uh, that, apparently, she offered her condolences in a an interview that she had done, Sarah Jessica Parker. So, no, not likely a movie unless they get lots of money. Probably not. She does, Sarah Jessica Parker, she's in that show Divorce on HBO. Mm-hmm. Either of you guys watch that? No. I've seen a couple episodes, yeah. She, um, it was too depressing. I had to stop I, watching it. I, I really like Thomas Hayden Church. Mm-hmm, me too. I mean, his performance in Sideways is still one of my all-time favorites because <laughs> like, I have 100 friends like him. We're just all caveman all the time. And you're like, no, dude, that's a bad idea. And he's like, come on, dude, this is the good thing. You know, it's such a 
perfect archetypal just meathead. But he, uh, she's in that, of course, and uh, she's had so much like plastic surgery that her eyes don't open now, or it's, yeah. it's like Botox, so her face doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So like she's just squinting she has those all the time. Eyes, yeah, so she went so the surgery. opposite, Renee Zellweger. Yeah, her she, eyes are now closed. She did a reverse Zellweger. But I've heard interviews with her, and like I just, she just is. I don't know. You're she's, not a fan. I, 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 you know, she's like a Broadway kid. She grew up, you know, on the Broadway stage doing Annie. Square pegs. Square pegs. Yeah. She just has a, like every time I hear about Matthew Broderick cheating on her, I'm like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> she's. I just think she's a huge pain in the ass. Ferris gonna Ferris. I mean, what can you do? <laughs> do look. He had a day off. Day off of the marriage. <laughs> Rain Pryor, not among those who believe Quincy Jones claim that her father, Richard Pryor, once had sex with Marlon Brando. Jones made the shocking claim, among others, in an interview with Vulture last week. It seemed to gain some credence when Pryor's widow, Jennifer Lee, confirmed it, but Rain says it's just not true. She wrote on Facebook, Q was once a brilliant music producer who was losing his mind and decided to garner publicity for himself with a sensational interview, and he spewed out a lie about my father who's not here to defend himself. Then on top of it all, my dad's so-called widow validated it because she needs to keep legitimizing herself and tarnishing our dad even after he's dead. She oh. hated Q and Daddy. Oh, wow. In a subsequent she hated post. Daddy? I thought she had control of his estate. The ex-wife? Yeah. Well... She might have control of it. Doesn't mean she liked him. You know, Lenny Bruce, who was you know a contemporary of Richards a little bit, little bit before him, but it was certainly part of the inspiration. Oh yeah, uh, like they're continu- they're they're considered to basically be like you know Mount the on the Mount Rushmore with George Carlin, who, but George Carlin was a disciple of Lenny Bruce too. So I always consider like it's like Lenny Bruce and He's then everything. the grandfather of modern comedy. Yes, and everything kind of comes down from him. But he was also like bisexual, unabashedly, you know, didn't really care, really mixed up in drugs. Like in a lot of ways, Richard Pryor emulated Lenny Bruce off stage as much as he did on stage, whereas Carlin was very much on stage. I mean, Carlin went to jail with Lenny Bruce one night as a fan. Before he was like a known entity, I think. He got reprimanded for that, I believe. Like <laughs> Lenny Bruce was like, what are you doing? Yeah. You're an idiot. Yeah. Why would you do this? Yeah, this is dumb. I, why are you going to jail? This is cool, isn't it? Yeah, I'm part of the no, struggle. No, this is not cool. Yeah, he's like, I got to go have sex with Marlon Brando right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You think that's cool? This is not cool. It's not cool. <laughs> I could have been somebody. I could have been a contender <laughs> instead of nothing. A backender. This is what I am. Uh, forecast today, snow this morning, but sun later on. Temperatures in the low 30s, dropping to 10 degrees overnight tonight. It's 26 at DVE. Are you watching the Olympics? Oh, yeah. Mm, yeah, I'm here. Watched some there. skating last night. It's around. hard to watch the skating. It's like a mom event. I felt good for the moms <laughs> of the world last night who got control of the TV and I think dads acquiesce because yeah. it's like, all right, it's the Olympics. I'll sit here and watch your dance routine. That's how I feel every day of the year, Randy. Um I am surrounded by women, yeah. so it's I'm a I'm a glorified mom now. <laughs> I just I'm, I embraced it, but I I think I I found a new angle of uh, enthusiasm towards the ice ice skating ever since I watched Itania. I just I, <laughs> I can dig it. Yeah, d- so it doesn't need to be like a figure like like Tanya Harding to. Garner your interest. You're, no, it you're doesn't have to be somebody from art. a trailer park for me to get into right. a routine. 
Well, no, some of these girls were doing stuff last night. Like the, I guess the girl landed the first triple axle that's ever been landed by a female in the Olympics. Yes, mm-hmm. she did. Uh, what's her name? Damn it! See, we uh, should Mira all know her name. Nagasu. There you go. And it's it's amazing. But like they, she did that at the be- very beginning of her routine. They were like, she nailed the triple axle. It was like, and it was like, wow, it's just smooth sailing from here on out. She did ninety more jumps. She just kept jumping and spinning in the air. I'm like, and when you do them later in the act, you get more points for it. If you do it in the second half, sure, you get a bonus, ten percent, because you're tired. Because you're tired. At one point, somebody From said, all the jumping. This is like running a marathon and then running fifty sprints after the marathon. They're one dance routine. I, I mean, I have no way of knowing, but that can't possibly be true. that sounds a little bit exaggerated there's no way that's what it is no way you mean to tell me running 26.2 miles and then doing 50 sprints after that no is easier than doing uh, the the triple lutz no way (laughs) i don't know they were you know uh did you see any of the the cross-country skiing Mm -mm. like they were saying those guys you know the cross-country skiers that have the rifle on their back yeah i don't know what that's called biathlon the, the biathlon yeah those are they people said, who are bisexual yes who okay yeah first you have to have sex with marlon, marlon brando, brando and then, then you, you shoot you the ski up a hill witnesses well they said that those guys heart rates are up at like 190 which sounds incredibly well, unsafe yeah. And, and yeah but if you're if you are peak condition it's not that it's yeah. not as big of a deal but they were they were describing what what that's like and they were like it's like sprinting up 10 flights of stairs and then having to thread a needle you know for the for the yeah. shoot to have aim and accuracy yeah because you're, you're like <sighs> <sighs> ding 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 yeah, that's the whole deal that's the heart rate thing uh my buddy one time uh, he was like on the treadmill and I saw him just like going, what, you know, he was overweight. I'm like, why are you, what are you doing? You're ki-, like, I'm looking at the meters on there and his heart rate was like way up. I'm like, mm-hmm. what dude, you're going to have a heart attack. What are you doing? He's like, I saw this thing where, uh, this one actress, she keeps her heart rate. Like she does these exercises and does up to like 180 something. Or other. And I'm like, Jessica Alba, she's, she's like. 85 pounds and she's 20 and she's yeah she's a kid you're not in the shape of honey what are you doing you were doing whippets last night (laughs) you're in your 40s that's how dumb guys are though they try to lose all the weight the first day in the gym i do that all lose this all i'm a i'm a huge fan of this guy uh uh, adam rippin the the figure skater Mm-hmm. Uh, who I guess he uh, he oh, fell. Is this the Zanny guy? Yeah. <laughs> he said he wanted a Xanax and a quick drink to calm his nerves. <laughs> I, love, I just love that. That's like, great. It's funny, too, that like Mike Pence was there and like they all made a statement towards Mike Pence and he said he wouldn't, you know, he had he didn't want to meet him or anything because he didn't want to get gay converted right before his match. I mean, that really would have probably, that would have hurt him a lot. You're not going to turn me. <laughs> I've got a big match coming up, but he's hilarious. He's got like an alt-right haircut though, which is a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a dodge curveball. Yeah. But he's funnier than hell, man. And he's making people uncomfortable. Not he's from uncomfortable. PA, right? He's from Scranton. Know. Is he really? Yeah. He's not making people feel as weirded out as Johnny Weir is though. Oh my God. <laughs> but he's not John, weird. Johnny, way, he's not weirding me out. Johnny Weir is like post-human. I don't even know what that guy is. He's hilarious. <laughs> He's like Burkle. 
It it <laughs> looks like the Hunger Games. He's got like his hair. Yeah. I don't even know what the hell that's you call that. He looks like he's from the year 2070. <laughs> that's how I think people will dress and look. And what is up with the Russian uniforms? Oh, they're well, they're, they're not they're not allowed Russian, to compete yeah. under the Russian flag. They're I think they're called Olympic athletes from Russia. OAR. Yes. Not to be confused with the other OAR. With the band. Yeah, that's I'm uh, Yeah, they're bootleg they got, Russians. Yeah, cuz they got the uh, band for the So the technicality band. is basically like Russia doesn't get any of the medals. They can medal. They can medal. But Russia is not competing okay. on that level. That's and, what I understood of it. And in the snowboarding yesterday, they sent people out despite super high winds and only five people finished. Yeah, I know they canceled the Alpine because yeah. it was so windy. I guess everybody was just wiping out. And we got a luge medal. The, and the kid who won the snowboarding oh. medal? Total. Oh, that, like, the kid looks like Spicoli. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. He sounds like yeah, him, too. Yeah, he does. Red something. Oh, he is killed his name. it. The guy, and he's the, from Cleveland originally. The, the guy who medaled the, got the gold medal with the luge, Chris Medzer, Medzer. He is hilarious, too. I mean, that's the first time I think the U.S. has ever meddled in the luge. That was pretty awesome. The opening ceremonies where Kim Jong-un's sister is sitting in that box with Mike Pence, and she's, like, giving him the eye, and then, like, all these liberals are like, yeah, you go, girl. Give it to Mike Pence. He's awful. It's like, um, you realize you are <laughs> cheering on a despot right now. Right. Someone who actually drags people to their deaths in death camps. Could not be more of an awful lady. Let's not cheer for her. Why would they put them in the box next to them? It was because I mean that's uncomfortable. Well, you know, like ostensibly, you want to have all the world leaders who are, are working together. Who are supposed to? Yeah, but can't you put be, Norway in between know. the U.S. and her? I'll tell you what, I wouldn't get anywhere near any of no. Kim Jong Un's siblings. They're just well, like, hey, and- Pence. Yeah, and you're like, what was that? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you start turning into the 28 days later monkey. Exactly, dude. <laughs> the, the, just the real quick. <laughs> what was, hey, what was what, that? Was that was that, <laughs> <Panaka>? <laughs> was that Panaka? <laughs> Don't put me anywhere near that no way, man. I mean, did you see what he did the first time in the airport with his brother? How he killed his brother? Yeah. That was out of Black Mirror, man. The woman thought she was on a reality show, and they gave her a quest. They're like, okay, you have to go over there and spray this in that guy's face, and we'll be filming. Go. And she goes and murders somebody and has no idea that she just did that. Do you know the backstory behind that murder? Because his uh, Kim Jong-un's like half-brother was sort of like not part of the family anymore so he had defected to china and china was basically holding him saying like look kim jong-un if we don't like what you're talking about at any given time we'll take you out and put your brother in power and he was like oh yeah what if i kill my brother (laughs) then what are you gonna do that with that uh, yeah oh okay well that makes perfect sense what if i kill my brother then what (laughs) Hey, what was that? <laughs> Holy cow. So, uh, that's yeah. That's what happens. I don't know. So there's your Olympic update, or, or not. 
Did you see in like the men's luge? I guess it was like the team luge. First time the, we ever medaled. The uh, the Canadian team flipped their luge sled. I'd never seen that. I thought that was that's a Canadian tantrum. Fatal. Oh, <laughs> flipped his luge. Eh? <laughs> he luged it. Yeah. How about I've, we? I've went out, why that. did our team go out in the opening ceremonies to Gangnam Style? Because it's in Korea, and that's, you know, big Korean star. Yeah, but... Uh, What's his know. name? Yeah, it's weird. It's kind of a strange one for us to go on. Do they get to pick the music? <laughs> or is it just part of the... <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. They don't. I don't know if they assign any to you. It's just part of the ceremony that's choreographed. I think it's all... Uh, uh, under the control of the USOC. It would be hilarious if it was all just Korean pop stars. The other thing is the people who are enjoying the North Korean cheerleaders, those women are, I mean, they are they got people back home who are going to die if they don't do a good job. Yeah. So it was like, oh, it's hilarious. Look how much pep they have. You guys. Yeah, that's forced This is pep. like scary. Not It shouldn't be yeah. fun to watch. It's terrifying. <laughs> that's oh. terrifying amount of pep. <laughs> The Army of Beauties, they're called. He basically is giving the name for all of his uh, little departments. Uh, like They're all like Austin Powers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. He is. He is like the... He's the Korean Austin Powers. He is Dr. Evil. Mike's got your uh, sports coming up here in just a little bit. Sid gets his 400th in St. Louis, the dad's trip weekend. A pretty good one for uh, for the Penguins. And uh, we'll talk with Josh Getzoff a little bit later on this morning about that. Don't forget, this Friday night, it's the 8th annual Shear the Beard. Brett Kiesel shearing off his beard. Phil Bork is going to join him for that. Donnie Iris will be performing live. Chris Jameson. From The Voice, go to dve.com or jurgles.com to get tickets for the event that raises money for Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh Cancer Programs. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta has your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Not a bad weekend for the Pens. Not bad at all. It uh, depends on whether you want to be a half-full, half-empty glass kind of guy on the Friday night shootout loss in Dallas because the Penguins had a 2-0 lead in that game. They had a lead going into the mm-hmm. third period. They hadn't lost in those situations all year long, and they ended up losing in the shootout. But they uh, they got a point for the effort, and then yesterday uh, took care of business in St. Louis against a pretty good Blues team, 4-1. to one. The cherry on top of that Sunday was Sidney Crosby's 400th career goal. Penguins will look for the equalizer here off the offensive zone. Draws controlled along the far wall by Matta into the far corner. Crosby working on Shen there. Now Crosby comes out along the goal line. Pumps one towards the net. Is it in? It is! And there it is! Sidney Crosby, a milestone marker in St. Louis. His 400th career goal has tied this game early in the second. Just 21 seconds after the Blues had a goal disallowed. Excuse me, after the Blues had scored to make it 1-0. Crosby scores for the Penguins to make it 1-1. And uh, number 400, uh, pretty appropriate in the eyes of head coach Mike Sullivan. It was a pretty typical Sidney Crosby goal. 
It's a typical Crosby goal. You know, he's uh, he's so good. He scores more goals from below the goal line than anybody I've ever seen. And it's, you know, he's one of the few guys that thinks the game on such a high level that to make the type of plays that he makes from below the goal line. Uh, but it's a typical Sidney Crosby goal, and and so that that's that's what I thought when it went in. It doesn't surprise me. Uh, you know, some people might think it's a fluke. It's not a fluke because I've seen it happen so many times. It's it's a it's someone that thinks the game on a different level. Yeah, just shoving it at the net from below the goal line and finding a way to tie the game. It was Crosby's first goal in 11 games, so he was pretty anxious to finally make number 400 happen. But afterward, he still wasn't quite sure how it happened. No, I still don't know <laughs> kind of how it trickled in. It seemed like it took forever, but um, it's been a long 10 games, too, so uh, nice to see one go in. You're trying to put in that area, uh, short side, and, you know, sometimes there's a little bit of room on the post there, sometimes they're not, but, um, you know, somehow it kind of found its way in. 400, a nice round number for Crosby, but some uh, perspective on that. <laughs> he becomes just the third player to get 400 goals with the Penguins behind Mario Lemieux's 690 and Yarmer Yager's 439. Crosby also has more goals since his debut in the National Hockey League in 2005-2006 than anybody in the league except Alex Ovechkin, who has 591. And uh, Sidney Crosby, also just the 25th player in NHL history to have both 400 goals and 650 assists. Wow. So that's that's some pretty cool stuff. And he's uh, far from done. Think he catches Mario? 290 more goals in him? No. That might be a stretch. <laughs> I think it will probably catch Yager, if not next year, the year after. I think he's going to play a long time, though. I just think all these players do now. I think he's going to be one of those guys that, uh, you know, Lemieux kind of had that standard for himself. And if he wasn't dominating, he wasn't real interested in playing. Uh, I think Sidney Crosby is going to have the kind of career that Brian Trottier had, where he's going to go from pulling the train <laughs> from the front to pushing it from behind. And Jordan on his comeback. I could see him being, you know, someday a third line center that's the savvy veteran leader and yeah, contributes and I don't know about that. Does things and leads a team. I don't know how much of this is legend, Mike, but every time I hear somebody talk about. Um, Lemieux, when he was playing, they they focus on not his conditioning, but just his greatness. Yeah, he was just absurdly good. And uh, and Crosby is is great, but he's also one of the most conditioned athletes to ever play the game. I think that's his strength. If if you think about Sidney Crosby, we've all watched him all these years. What is his defining characteristic? Is he the best stick handler? Does he have the greatest shot is he physical he, he doesn't really have that it's, one thing it's like, you know, all of it you think about Alex Ovechkin he scores a ton of goals you think about him shooting from the left circle on the power play he he rips the puck you know other guys use their speed uh he he does it all the most complete game yeah and and it, maybe his relentlessness is his defining characteristic and that play yesterday as Mike Sullivan said pretty Typical that you know you just keep battling. You find a way to do what you can in a given situation, and and see what happens. And uh, fun stuff for the Penguins, who uh, 
are second in the Metropolitan Division, four points behind the Capitals, who lost in overtime to the Red Wings yesterday. Pittsburgh improves to 31-22 and four, 66 points. One ahead of Philadelphia for second in the Metro, four behind Washington for first in the Metro. The Flyers, 4-1 winners against Vegas yesterday. Penguins will be hosting Ottawa on Tuesday, the Kings on Thursday, the Maple Leafs on Saturday, and then travel to Columbus on Sunday. Pirates pitchers and catchers are scheduled to report to Bradenton today. The first workout of the spring will take place on Wednesday. The balance of the roster is due in to Bradenton on Sunday, and uh, the first full squad workout is scheduled for a week from today. February the 19th. Bunch of college basketball over the weekend. Pitt loses to Louisville 94-60. to yeah, Yesterday, the Panthers fall to 0-13 in the ACC and 8-18 and overall. Number 17, West Virginia, was beaten on Saturday by Oklahoma State, 88-85. to The Mountaineers are 18-7 and overall and 7-5 and in the Big 12. Uh, Duquesne lost at home to Fordham on Saturday, 80-57. to the Dukes have dropped three straight and five of their last six. They're 15 and 11 overall, six and 10 in the Atlantic 10. Penn State beat Illinois yesterday, 74 to 52. The Nittany Lions improved to 18 and 9 and 8 and 6 in the Big 10. They maybe are uh, starting to craft an NCAA tournament resume. Maybe. Got Ohio State this week. Uh, that's a big one for Penn State. And Robert Morris won at Long Island University, Brooklyn, 96 82 on Saturday. Coming up, why women or what exercise they're doing at the gym is creating corgasms while they're working out. Also, a guy who paints about the sex he's having with aliens in New Jersey, and it's it's incredible. Uh, this guy is doing some of the best work out there. This is, this is authentic folk work, folk art from uh, Newark, New Jersey. That you, you said folk, right? Folk art, yeah. yeah. And more Facebook news about why you'll hate Facebook more than you already probably do. Everyone kind of has like a love-hate with that uh, going, don't you think? Even the people yep. who really love it, yeah. They uh, can't quit it, but they don't like it. Well, some news about how they are conducting business and uh, fettering out certain items from your fee that uh, may make you think, all right, it's time to take a step back. Josh gets off, talks pens, 915, and more coming up on DV. It's Randy Bauman and the DV Morning Show. Val Porter, Bill Crawford. There was an article that was circulated online that originated at Splitsider, which is kind of a comedy website, sort of a comedy news website. And it was an interview with a guy named Matt Klinman, who started off at Funny or Die, about what is happening to the internet, and specifically comedy on the internet. So Facebook is basically ruining comedy on the internet and the so, way people consume comedy just they don't go to individual websites anymore right so that's the the whole crux of the Klinman uh interview is he explains that where it used to be that people would have to click on the link and then go watch the video on funny or die now facebook initially was giving you previews of what you could see then they made it easier so that you could just see the entire video now what that had the effect of doing was killing the revenue for the actual content creators. Funnier yeah, put a lot of people out of business. Funnier Die just completely did away with uh, its entire editorial team, and they're restructuring their business model away from original online content. 
So that sucks. That sucks. Uh, and so Facebook stops people from going to the site where the content is created, depriving them of ad revenue, and additionally depriving them of the knowledge of knowing what works, what product is is working. You mean the creators? So, yeah, yeah, like what what are we doing that people want to hear or they want to see? So you don't get any feedback on your product if nobody's actually going to your site to watch it because then you don't get the numbers. You don't know. So he, the thing that I found interesting about this was the explanation or the observation that Facebook has become our internet. Yeah. So we don't... The filter through everybody. Some people go there for their news. Right. Everything. Which is a bad idea. We used to, just five, six years ago even, you would go to a bunch of different websites. I have a queue of websites that I always used for show prep Mm -hmm. every day. Definitely. And it started to be easier for me to just go to Twitter, Facebook, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, you know, New York Times... USA Today type thing. Uh, Steelers.com. Yeah, right. But like you do Drudge Report and all the like news aggregators. Mm -hmm. And so in a sense, that was always there. But now all of the places you used to go that were news aggregators are just, they're represented on Facebook. So you can just like any one of those news providers I was just telling you about, and that'll show up in your Facebook feed. So now we start to kill the internet that we used to know, and we go to one place. Facebook or Twitter becomes the new internet. And he describes this phenomenon, which I found fascinating in this interview, which is that apparently cats like to hunt. So if you move their food around instead of putting it in the same place, they're actually happier because it fulfills their instinctual need to hunt mm-hmm. and find stuff. Well, the human brain acts much in the same way. I'm going to start hiding my food. Hide your food. Once you start depriving your brain of the hunt for information, you become like a drone, depressed, miserable, (laughs) miserable, and you don't even realize it. You're not seeking out the information, it's just all there. And then that scroll mentality happens for you, and you're less willing to actually read past the headline. Not to mention, this is nothing to say of the fake news uh, uh, phenomenon that has occurred over the last few years. And uh, it's having big effects because the creators, the creative people, are now not able to go into that field. It is not profitable. I definitely remember going more often to sites to see what they had than I do now because I know I'm going to see it in on Twitter uh, because they'll push out their content that way or on Facebook. And that's kind of that's a drag. Yeah, and now the, the especially Twitter and Facebook, they're trying to hide behind the fact that they say. We're a tech company, and we're not a media company, mm-hmm. but yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. That's how people are consuming the internet now. Like you just said, uh, all those, I follow Uproxx, BuzzFeed, Gawker. Me too. All, all, all those them. news yeah. channels. That's, that's where I go. Right. I don't go to individual. I mean, I might click onto it from there. And, and those still, are aggregators. They they take from a lot of different places. Sure. But it was a much smaller operation. This is now like the overseeing thing, and the problem with it is that they're running a payola scam. Because Facebook wants you to pay them to get the information out to your audience. Mm -hmm. So now you have to create something. You have to pay Facebook to allow you to get it to your audience. Because they won't see it. The way they have the algorithm set up, 
25 people or something crazy will see your your feed. Mm-hmm. You mean we can't trust Facebook? <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, you know what the funny thing, Val? I put I posted this article. <laughs> I'm like, wow, this is a super interesting article to read. And it got like two likes, which is inordinately low for anybody. Oh, Nobody yeah, saw I it. Don't know. <laughs> Nobody saw it. Last they didn't week, let anybody see this article. I posted the story Channel 11 did about the coyotes running with the uh-huh. dog. Like they were right up against the fence. Like seven people liked it. I'm like, wait a minute. This this is a crazy story. Yeah, more people should be involved in this. Like, what the? And that goes back to to what you were saying earlier with the comedy content creators. You have no idea what's good and what's bad because how things are getting out is not equal. Like, your yes. one, one post you put out there. Like, I remember they they were not they didn't like video at first until. Whatever I don't know. Did they buy YouTube or they? Mm-hmm. I know they bought Instagram. They bought. And Instagram. so until they had those acquisitions, like they, if you posted a video, it was a real pain in the ass. Somebody had to click on it and actually go to YouTube. Yeah. And they didn't. They wanted to discourage you from posting any videos on Facebook. They don't want you to leave their platform. Why would they? Well, now Facebook is adding something that people have been wanting for a long time. The downvote button. Thumbs down. All right? Here's something hilarious. Boo. They said they they had not wanted to do this in the past because a dislike button uh, button would, quote, sow too much negativity (laughs) into the platform. Because there's none of that on Facebook. (laughs) Because people are getting along. I mean, it really is peace and love on there. Yeah. It's a great place. I'm telling it's, you, we're going to look back a, at it like cigarettes, Bill. We're going to look back at it like cigarettes. No question. I really had to stay off social media this weekend. Good. Do you feel better? Why? No, well, no, any really. reason just, in particular, yeah, or you just needed a break? Stupidity and ugliness. Yeah. 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 I know, I, the problem is we know too much about each other now. We really well, are. Well, this was about world issues, not oh, okay. <laughs> not personal stuff. I've been uh, I've been off for about a year, guys, and I got to say it's it's been pretty great. You're totally off social media. No, Facebook. Oh, oh yeah, no, I yeah. was like, I don't want to. I went on Twitter yesterday for about five seconds. I'm like, ah, I'm done. I'm no, I, I, if <laughs> if, if Facebook is like cigarettes, then I just chew, which is Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much what it is. I mean. I'm probably still going to get mouth cancer from it, but, well, slower. (laughs) Val's got news coming up next. What do you got? Well, Facebook might have something to do with this. We'll talk about why people drink. (laughs) Thumbs up. I'll tell you what, I wouldn't get anywhere near any of Kim Jong-un's siblings. They're just like, hey, Pence. Yeah. And you're like, what was that? <laughs> and then all of a sudden you start turning into the 28 Days Later monkey. Exactly. <laughs> Dude, the, the, just the real quick. <laughs> what was, hey, what was what, that? Was that? Was that Panaka? <laughs> Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. I think that is exactly how it goes. <laughs> I mean, I would never be that close in yeah. proximity. To Kim Jong Un's family, and if you just hate, wouldn't. if you hate Mike Pence so much that you're rooting for the Kim Jong Un sister, you're, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> She's a bad, bad lady. Yeah, you can disagree with a guy's policies all you want. Right? Their policies 
are significantly worse for the people of North Korea. Well, and he had the the father of that guy who was essentially killed in captivity over there. That warm beer, Otto Warmbier. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot that about kid. that. His dad was sitting with Pence. Who had to do time in a prison camp for taking a poster off a wall. That guy's dad was sitting with Pence? I didn't know that. Wow. Yikes. That is... Oh, that's a power move. Yeah, I didn't understand uh, all the dynamics of what was happening there. I know oh, it was, uh, it was. Uh, I don't know what the heck was going on over there. Stop that. Um, there was uh, a lot of talk of like, oh, he got owned or he was disrespectful because he was sitting and I don't know. Who cares? Let's just. Let's Did just, you guys let's watch the, the opening ceremony? I missed it completely. Bits and pieces. I mean, <laughs> I guess it's so not much. as it's... big of a deal as like the Summer Olympics. Because the opening ceremony for the Summer Olympics is spectacular. It Yes, as you guys know, and I have bored you to death with, I got to go to two Olympics. I got to go to the Summer Olympics in Sydney and then the Winter Olympics in Salt Lake. And Mitt Romney ran the... That was the first time I saw Mitt Romney, and I oh, thought his yeah. name was so funny. Because <laughs> he came out and gave a speech at the end. Uh, I think everything went uh, really well. <laughs> but... He organized, didn't he? Organize that election? He did, and it was all Mormons. It was very fun. Like so, they had the dinosaurs popping out at the end of the uh, that they narrated the closing ceremonies in Salt Lake, and it was the voice of Donnie and Marie. And it it ended with Kiss playing on an iceberg. That's all I remember. And, it was floating around. Yeah, <laughs> it was so weird. Um, so hopefully they'll uh, they'll be able to outdo that. But the opening ceremonies are typically. Outstanding. I mean, the ones we went to in Australia were crazy. The one with, was it Kathy Freeman, the Aborigine uh, runner from Australia, went up and lit the torch, and it like rose up above her. It's like, so majestic. And then by the end, they're usually like, "Let's just get out of here." It's uh, <laughs> there's some lights under your seat. Twirl them around, and then let's go home, everybody. Okay. <laughs> Beijing's were incredible. Thir- it was like thirteen billion dollars for this Olympics bill. Thirteen. Billion dollars on the opening ceremony. Well, just in general. Oh. So that's, I mean, yeah. so much money goes into these ceremonies. Yeah, I heard the stadium was pretty empty for the opening ceremonies. Well, true? it was super cold. It's really, really cold. Oh, okay. yeah. So yeah. a lot of people were selling their tickets or giving them away. Oh. Just not going. Yeah, they have to build a lot of the facilities. Don't they? Like, I remember in Sochi, they hadn't finished a bunch of them. <laughs> yeah, every Olympic village uh, inevitably is like a big blight on the, the host city mm-hmm. in the long run because they never can find use for all of the things they have to build to bring the business there. It's just one big, crazy, corrupt thing that we allow to happen all the time without uh, demanding that they do it better. But uh, there's there's some great real sports episodes that were de- oh, devoted yeah. basically to that. But I took an Olympic history course in college and oh, that would be interesting it was awesome yeah you I'd cannot believe like how much corruption oh. has played a role in the olympics for the last century and change i mean it is basically it's like fifa wait it's are just you corrupt are you suggesting that the olympics being in qatar or the world cup being in qatar is not on the up and up yeah that that again like it's like fifa there's a guy juan antonio samaranc who was in charge forever total crook Complete crook, and he ran it for like fifty years. Crook. Yeah, they build these huge stadiums, and then they just leave them there, mm-hmm. and they're just scarring the the landscape. In Munich, they did a pretty cool thing. I, I was there with my sister one time, and she had she had worked there, and 
they turn the whole Olympic Village into it's basically like a community park. Like, yeah, but parks at, rec facility. Yes, and they use the parks stadium that they build is whatever the football team is there, the Munich whatever. I can't remember what the name of their football team is. Mennonites. Bayern Munich or something Baron like that. Gerv. Something like that. I think, I think it's the right. the Nailers. Work. I think it's the the Nailer <laughs> Munich Nailers. Yeah, that sounds yeah. right. But at any rate, a lot of times, to your point originally, what's going on in Sochi with all the buildings they built there and the billions of dollars that the <laughs> oligarchs dumped into making that happen? I, there's basically it's just a stray dog shelter now. <laughs> well, I mean, like the the Russians that are allowed to compete in this one. What is it? The Olympic? I think they're athletes called, from Russia. Yes. I mean, the fact that they're allowed to compete at all, they were supposed to be banned from this whole Olympics. Well, I think, yeah, the whole team was supposed to, but I don't think that athletes who were banned are allowed to compete, uh-huh. if I remember reading that correctly last week. But Putin bought his way back in. Yo, th- there are, yeah, there are. For sure. Without a doubt. He's like the Reed richest person good. in the world off the books. <laughs> I'm... Uh, I'm a big fan, though. I do like watching it, and even when it's stupid events, I'll watch that. Uh, the girl last night, Nagasu? My- Mary? Mir- Mirai? <laughs> it's bad we don't know our uh, name's name. It's not our fault. That's NBC's fault. Uh, no, Mirai, her name is uh, like... Is it Nagasu or Nagasu? Nagasu. Okay. She kicked ass last night. and uh, Triple Axel. Triple Axel. Nailed it. First uh, U.S. Uh, lady to do that. I want to do curling. Go ahead. And I think after I think the last Winter Olympics that there was a big surge in it around here. Well, Trenny's doing the curling yeah. over there. She's the reporter. Our old friend, Trenny Kuznarek, who's been working for Comcast Sports in Boston. And that Comcast seems like a laid-back beat to get. I she like did that. the last one, too. Is we that... should call her. It's probably, what time is it there right now? It's eight hours ahead, I think. Oh, I'll text her well, and see if we can get her on in the, in the next four in hour. the afternoon. So... Don't you feel like curling is probably the only sport that you could step into at an Olympic level? Yeah, it's like softball. <laughs> like I feel like I could like le- really like compete. Adult league softball. Like if I went hard curling three months, I I could give them a go. Probably, Herschel Walker wouldn't have to train to get into that. You mean no? Uh, I don't think you'd have to do a thousand sit-ups and two thousand push-ups a day. Did you see the meme to, to where sweep that broom? People took the uh, what's the rock called? Um, the stone. It's called a stone. Uh, somebody they made it a cat. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a cat laying there, and it's like <laughs> pushing the cat, and it just looks like this is disinterested cat sliding just sliding down the ice. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, future uh, curling champ, 2022 curling team captain Val Porter. Now with a <laughs> quick update, what's going on? Here's a Channel 11 severe weather center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. Central 11. It's 26 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Pittsburgh Pirates officials say the mother of catcher Elias Diaz has been rescued from kidnappers in Venezuela. Local police say they recovered 72-year-old Anna Soto three days after she was abducted. It's reported the local mayor is ordering state police to investigate an anti-drug team there for alleged involvement. Valentine's Day is Wednesday. The average person will spend about 34 bucks total. 44% uh, spending nothing on Valentine's Day this year, <laughs> but it wasn't made clear whether that includes single people or not. The average guy spends 41 bucks. The average woman, 26. 41 bucks. The hell are you doing on Valentine's Day for 41 bucks? 
Don't ever buy into. We're not going to do anything for each other, right? Let's just not buy into it. It's a it's a greeting card company created holiday in order for us to spend money. Let's not buy into it. Let's just be a, you know happy with each other. Right. Every day's Valentine's that, right. Day. That never works. Never works. One person always will break, and then the other. It's a testament of who's more into the relationship. It's a trap. It's a trap. Don't fall into it. We're no. not going out. Yeah, I know. That's this what, year. Okay. That, and that's Well, fine. that's very consistent, I think, for you. I mean, that's probably it yeah. makes a lot of sense. Are you gonna go out into the barn and give him a haircut? Maybe. <laughs> for Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah, but going out on Valentine's Day has become annoying. Oh yeah, because oh, every God, place it's is the so worst. Packed. It's just it's the service is jam- like, you know, the people working are overworked mm-hmm. and overloaded and every place is overbooked. Yeah. Which is why, you know, you do the old cook at home, Bill. Well, what I did this year was I took a picture of some roses that I'm going to show Serena <laughs> on my phone. I memorized a card. So right there, I haven't spent a dime yet. And I'm I'm up big. You memorized a card? Yeah. It's pretty good. Just trying to save money. Why wouldn't you, know? you just put it on the picture of the, right, roses the roses and make it like a meme that oh, you can, you know. Fantastic. Digital I'll, cards. I'll do that. Yeah, I have the text edit on my... Uh, my uh, my phone now. You can just print it out. Mm-hmm. Pretty soon you'll be able to 3D print some roses. You won't have to actually worry about it. Here's some plastic roses that'll never go back <laughs> into the earth and be here for millions of years. <laughs> I love you. And maybe money can buy you love. 90% of couples who earn at least 200000 a year say they are completely or almost completely satisfied with their relationship. That's $200,000 a year? Yep, that's uh, compared to just sixty-four percent of people who earn less than thirty grand a year, and couples who get married on Valentine's Day, thirty-seven percent more likely to wind up getting divorced, and it usually happens pretty quickly. They are forty-five percent less likely than other couples to make it three years. Researchers say it's because a lot of people rush into Valentine's weddings. Quote: The chance to marry on a special date could lead to quicker and lower quality marriage commitments. I don't know. I mean, when we got married at the Golden Corral with the chocolate fountain, <laughs> I thought it would last. That sounds awesome. I'm into that. <laughs> now people would do it like hipster irony wedding. Mm, yeah. Super fun. Mm-hmm. Golden <laughs> According to a new survey, 58% of all adults who drink alcohol are drinking to escape. Yeah. I'm, that's like 100%. Wait, what, were, really. what were people ever drinking for other than that? To forget. Some other uh, To nuggets. escape, to forget. There was somebody who worked there one time who Val nicknamed Drinks to Forget. Drinks to Forget, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some other nuggets from the survey include 47% of drinkers said they did so to cheer themselves up. 41% said drinking gave them relief when they felt depressed or anxious. And 38% said forgetting their worries was one of the reasons they sometimes turn to booze. Do you have, do you have the friends that you drink with that, that get the sads whenever they drink? Like no. they, they're not dealing with so. their issues and whenever they drink it all comes out and they get real close and... Put their armor on you and maybe shed a couple tears. Uh, I have two friends that when they get like liquor drunk, they they get very emotional. Weepy. They get emotional. Yeah. I just get louder. <laughs> I get silly. I, just, I, I thought that, that's yeah. what we were doing. Here. I just get silly and I get loud. Yeah. Super loud. So every time somebody Fun gets comes out gets the sadsies, I'm like, oh man, yeah. I want to hear. I want to hear. I Dance. Right. I feel like this. I know but when people I don't get, hear. it depends on what the emotion is about. Like, you know, 
if it's if it's a very real issue that that's the drag because yeah. then you are forced to be empathetic. You you know you have to. You can't do your version of drunk. You have to do their version of needs a shoulder. Yeah. And you're like, okay, uh, no. can we stop crying about this and get I back to I did not want to be a shoulder tonight, even though I'm set up for that. <laughs> I have been doing a lot of shoulders They lately. do a lot of shoulder work. <laughs> O.J. Simpson will return to the big screen. Britain's Daily Mail says Sasha Baron Cohen paid the former convict more than 20 grand to appear in a prank for his next movie. Uh Sasha reportedly wore a wig and thick-rimmed glasses to meet O.J. in a Las Vegas hotel room. <laughs> a source says O.J. would not even get in the room until he was paid a truckload of cash, so there was no way Sasha could have gotten O.J. into the room without paying him. It's like Chuck Berry. Why would O.J. go into any rooms in a hotel in <laughs> Vegas? Hasn't he learned his lesson? It's ridiculous. I guess he's like, all right, I'll come into the room, but I will not have a gun on me. I just, everybody has to know that up front. I'm not going back to jail. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers were big winners at the Polestar Awards Thursday in Los Angeles. They won awards for both the major tour and rock tour of the year. Keyboardist Ben Montench and drummer Steve Ferrone were on hand to accept the award. Petty's manager, Tony Dimitriotis, won for personal manager of the year. Roger Waters won most creative stage production for his Is This the Life We Really Want tour. Richie Sambora and his girlfriend, Orianthe, or are rocking out in the Valentine spirit. The former Bon Jovi guitarist and his girlfriend have put a modern spin on the Sonny and Cher classic, I Got You, Babe. Oh my God, she must be hot. What is he doing? That, like I just said, <laughs> she must be hot for him to be doing that. Why doesn't he do more original music? It just occurred to me, like he can sing, he, he can play. Why doesn't he just go out and go on a tour as Richie Sambora, put together an album, write some songs? He, ha- I know he's released one solo record. I'm sure it's more, but back in probably the mid '90s, he put a solo record out and toured. Was it good? It wasn't bad. Um. Yeah, That's he should not get out there. Good though. No, that, that has. Good. It's not as bad as Richie Blackmore quitting Deep Purple and going to play Renaissance fairs <laughs> with his hot girlfriend because <laughs> that's what she wanted to do, and he's playing like a lute. Uh, the couple tell People magazine, "I Got You, Babe," is one of the best duets of all time, and a song that reminds us that true affection has no limitations. Couple's been dating for five years. They also released another song, uh, Forever All the Way. Good luck. That's so terrible. By the way, South Korea is 14 hours ahead, not eight. Okay, different scenario altogether, Bill. (laughs) Well, it's 10 o'clock at night there. It's not Mm. 10.30. Yeah, 10.22 in nine seconds. Forecast uh, may get a little more snow this morning, but should be sunny the rest of the day. Low 30s for the high, 10 overnight tonight. It's 26 at DVE. Did anybody see the Eric Clapton documentary on Showtime? No, I wanted I to didn't tape see it, and it I forgot. Yet. Oh, my God. Life in 12 bars. Is it good? It's very good, but there is the section of his substance abuse. Please don't tell me he had sex with Brando. I can't. <laughs> 
Please. Uh, yeah, they called him Fast Hand for that <laughs> brief period of time. <laughs> he, uh, he really, I forgot how many years he like was in seclusion. I know that like Pete Townsend tried to drag him out for that mm-hmm. Rainbow concert, and that was like his first like emergency. Yeah, but there were a lot of things I thought about Eric Clapton that uh, I don't any longer, and th- things I understood to be true that just aren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, how long is it? How long is the documentary? Yeah. It's under two hours, oh, okay. but nice. it's it's really really good. It's there. There's some disturbing stuff though, man. I mean, when he's he's there's video. Or film footage of him just snorting heroin. And he's just sitting there, like, you know, on a couch with people. He's taking a knife. And, I, like, I assumed it was heroin because they were talking about his heroin abuse. I don't know. It might have been cocaine. But it was like, it's like, it's weird to look at Eric Clapton. And he's giving these interviews. He was so depressed and he just wanted to die. And he was, like, giving interviews that were so fatalistic and terrible. And he's, like, talking about cream. And he's like, I hated it. I hated every second of it. I don't know why I did it. And, People are terrible, and I just oh, want to die. And then he went on that weird racist be- uh, mm-hmm. bender. I don't know how else to put it. Like, he got racist for a little while. Because <laughs> he was, like, super just depressed and, mm-hmm. and ugly and was saying things from the stage that were terrible. And there's a there's a brief uh, clip of him here in Pittsburgh in 1980 at the Civic Green, and he's on Is stage. Is this during his, ace, uh, his racist bender? Uh, it was right around that time. And he's like, hello. I'm gonna have a drink. Is that okay? And he's clearly like hammered, and he starts having a drink. And he's getting heckled by people, and then in a subsequent clip, which I don't think is in Pittsburgh, he's like challenging people to fight in the crowd and stuff. It's just not the cl- the Clapton that. Wow, I gotta see. You this. think about, and then of course the whole tears in heaven section oh, yeah. is. I can't imagine. Brutal. A heartbreaker all is, over again. Is this the uh, the clip you're talking about? I managed to come off heroin. But I just went from one addiction to another. And the attitude back then was that alcohol was okay. But for me, alcohol was far more dangerous than heroin. Yeah, that's Pittsburgh. Yeah, that was in Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's Clean up your act. Red that act up. <laughs> Morn. Hey, morn. Pay good money, come down or see you. What are you doing, <laughs> slow hand? Could be in a jag. <laughs> Clean it up. Play that cream. Get off the sauce. <laughs> that and the, the whole Derek and the Domino stuff is great. And, the, you know, they've got a lot of footage I've never seen before in interviews with. Um, Dwayne Allman, it's great. Yeah, that's one I got. Highly, highly recommend it. It will definitely color your perception of Eric Clapton, I think. He is, I think most people think he's like just the super nice and everybody loves him kind of guy. And uh, I think he's probably one of the more selfish people in the history of rock and roll, and that's saying something. Mm -hmm. Like, because I remember thinking that reading his book, like, oh, he's a lot less airy than I thought he was. (laughs) This is a deep, troubled guy. And now he lives in Columbus, right? Yeah, yeah but he, look, they, they show footage of him with his new family, you know, because he's got like three kids with that girl from Columbus. 
He's he's just like a dad now in a suburban home. Yeah, it's just at the Easton Mall. Yeah, the kids are like watching TV and running around the house, and he's like scaring them and goofing around. <laughs> and he looks like their granddad, but he's not. And you know, he's he seems to be perfectly happy for now. So good for him. But there's some great stuff with him and George Harrison. That whole Patty Boyd thing. I forgot that they didn't immediately hit it off. I thought she just went from George to Eric, and I forgot she left George. And in the emotion of all of that. It just couldn't happen immediately. And their relationship, when he wrote Wonderful Tonight and all mm-hmm. that, that was like years down the road. They reconnected. How long were they together? Boy, I think only two or three years. Yeah, and he was a mess. Was and there's long. so much vo- video that you've never seen of Clapton before. He's a wreck. He's just hammered. I've never seen video footage of him being a wreck. Hammered with a drink in his hand all the time on stage, walking out on stage in that, you know, white suit wearing, uh, you know, Ocean Boulevard days. Mm -hmm. Like he's just walking out on stage with a drink, crushed. Looks like Dudley Moore. That flies in the face of what I my perception of him. I thought he was one of the most put together guys, in out control there. guys. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, it does have kind of a happy ending, and he and he admits to all the times he was awful and. Cool stuff with him and Hendrix too, because they were like brothers, and he worshipped Hendrix, and uh, it really it hit him hard when he died. It's 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 good. It's it's weird. You know, the but, guy has been through good. a lot in his life. When the happy ending ends in Ohio, that's <laughs> Dave Chappelle. That's saying something. I think Clapton and Dave Chappelle live like within uh, an hour of each other. I want to see them have a conversation. They probably will. Hey, man. <laughs> By the way, you missed Bill Bellamy when he was in. Did one of the best Dave Chappelle impressions I've ever heard. Do Val, you have back, it? Was, back me up on Do this. you have it, Joe? I mean, it was I never got to hear it. Perfect. Was it good? so good. You got it there, Joe? Eh, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll, we'll do it later. I'm going to take a break. We're going to come back. Mike's going to tell you about the Pens uh, weekend that they had. Pretty good stuff. Uh, Matt Murray with a good performance yesterday. Sid gets his 400th after waiting a, uh, a while for it. Uh, we'll talk with Josh Getzoff a little bit later on this morning. Uh, about that too don't forget coming up it's the polar plunge 2018 edition we're going to be freezing for a reason once again and you can go to specialolympicspa.org to take part in it uh i'm i can't jump this year but uh, so i'm not sure if there's a dve team set up or not but you can set up your own team oh, i'm sure sean has a team all right, we'll get in on uh, on that with us. Go to dve.com or specialolympicspa.org for more info on Saturday, February 24th, Pittsburgh, Polar Plunge, Heinz Field, and uh, law enforcement from all over Western PA comes together for this one. Raise a ton of cash. It's a great day. Oh, it's an awesome event. It really is. It's so much fun. So join us for this year's Polar Plunge. It's coming up Saturday, February 24th. Indeed. Use... South Park South Park Mitsubishi. Feel the difference. Ah, <laughs> uh, that was my fault. It's a nice mix. It's a mashup. It's a muscle memory. I'm just used to hitting the button, you know, when I hear things. I, I hear cues and I know I'm supposed to hit a button yeah. and I do, even though I'm not uh, I'm not driving right now. The Tire cool part arms. about that was you looked immediately through the window at Joe, the new guy. Mm-hmm. And tapped your chest like a point guard who had just thrown the ball out of bounds. That and one was on me. That's me. Yeah. I that's that. leadership. That was my, that was my fault. Uh, Mikey, what do you got going on? Oh, uh-huh. I'm going to berate him later for it. I mean, I, <laughs> for you guys, I wanted to put yeah. on a show. That, that is how it works, Joe. Yeah, you, you got that coming later but, uh, today. But, uh, Why the F did you leave me? <laughs> What's going on? Sidney Crosby got a score out of the call yesterday in St. Louis. And not only that, but the Penguins got a 4-1 to win over the Blues. 
coupled with the shootout loss in Dallas on Friday night. The Pens emerged from the weekend with three out of a possible four points. Uh, Sidney Crosby started what was a comeback from a one nothing deficit. It took him just 21 seconds to get the Penguins back even. Penguins will look for the equalizer here off the offensive zone. Draws controlled along the far wall by Mata into the far corner. Crosby working on Shen there. Now Crosby comes out along the goal line. Pumps one towards the net. Is it in? It is! And there it is! Sidney Crosby! A milestone marker in St. Louis. His 400th career goal has tied this game early in the second. Now you always like it when the replay call of the goal includes the public address announcer announcing the other team's goal that they just scored <laughs> and they come right back and it was 1-1 after that and the Pens end up winning it 4-1. Crosby started it at uh, 3:31 of the second and finished it at 17:12 of the third with an empty netter. He had gone 10 games without scoring a goal. Uh, number 400 turned out to be historic for obvious reasons and the bonus for Crosby was that it occurred on the Penguins annual dad's trip. Yeah, really nice. I mean, you know, it's it's tough when you're waiting that long to get it, but that's definitely worth the wait. Have uh, have my dad here, who, you know, so many early mornings and sacrificed a lot so I could play hockey. It's, it's special to have him here and all the dads. It's been a fun weekend, and to get three out of four points, hopefully we can get him back next year. They did yeah, get that's awesome. They did get a point Friday night. Uh, they blew a two nothing lead Friday night. They lost for the first time all season when entering a third period with a lead Friday night. But they got a point, and they got two more against St. Louis, and uh, Mike Sullivan was not interested so much in the details as he was the three points out of four. Well, you know, this was a tough trip. We knew it was going to be a tough trip going into it. We're playing two of the two of the better teams in the Western Conference, two of the better teams in the league for that matter. You know, they, they've got a lot of skill. Uh, they can skate, and they're big. And so they, they present a lot of challenges in a number of different, number of different ways. So to walk out with three out of four points uh, coming off this trip, I think, is a, is a huge accomplishment. Um, it's certainly... Uh, you know, I, I think it's certainly it, it's it's a credit to our players and how hard they worked, and and now we've got to make sure we go home and, and we put it behind us and we look at that next game right in front of us. I think that's a little revelation as to where Sullivan's coming from right about now. He called that a huge accomplishment. I mean, Stars and Blues are good. Neither one of them are the Gretzky Oilers. Uh, the Penguins are two-time defending champs, but their season has been disjointed enough. I think Mike Sullivan is ready for them to consistently perform. And it's crunch time. Yeah. Like we've been saying. And uh, Huge accomplishment may may sound a little bit like an overstatement, but yeah. I thought it was great. I think it would be a huge accomplishment for the Flyers or the Devils. Right, the defending two-time defending champs yeah. so getting the three out of four points. I yeah. would actually be a little more honked off that the one in Dallas got away than I was <laughs> Elated that St. Louis worked out the way uh, it did. Dallas also, you know. Oh, hey, good team. They, they get paid uh, to play. And they worked their butts off to, to steal that back from, you know. Yeah. They, they ended up uh, getting two points out of that. But that was also not only uh, blowing a lead in the third period. Dallas had played the night before in Chicago and had to trap. So that was one of those setup yeah. games where it was, it was in the Penguins' favor going into it. And, you know, it didn't happen. But a, a nice extra attacker goal. That it, was... Uh, it, you know, as exciting as it gets. That's and tough, then you, that's you know, kind of steal one point back from yeah. them there. But a huge accomplishment. You know, that's, the Penguins' bar should be higher than that. And it, I think it will be moving forward. 
Well, it definitely pushed them into this was a successful weekend category. Yes. And, uh, you know, blown lead in the third period aside, that hadn't happened all year. Uh, they won when the other team scored first yesterday. They're now 8-16-1. We had talked about that after the Vegas game when they pulled that off. Penguins are way too good a team where somebody getting a one nothing lead on them should be decisive. And it's too often been decisive this year, but lately it hasn't been. So that's a good trend. We'll see if they can keep that going uh, Tuesday night against Ottawa, maybe. Uh, Kings Thursday, Toronto here Saturday, and then at Columbus on Sunday. Penguins uh, trail the Caps by four points. In the Metropolitan Division, 31-22-4 for 66 points. The Caps have 70 points after losing in overtime to the Red Wings yesterday. Philadelphia is third in the division with 65 points. Both uh, the Caps and the Flyers have played fewer games than have the Pens, but that's 12-5 uh, and five in the last 17 now, and that's the first time the Penguins got points in consecutive road games. Since November 1st and 2nd, when they won in Edmonton and uh, lost lost in overtime at Calgary. It's only the third time all year that it's happened. So it is, uh, it hasn't happened a lot. I don't know if it's a huge accomplishment, <laughs> but it's not something they've accomplished a lot this year. Uh, good step in the right direction for the Penguins, who have taken a lot of those since January. Uh, Pirates pitchers and catchers report to Bradenton today. Their first workout will be on Wednesday. Uh, the balance of the squad is due in on Sunday, and the first full squad workout will take place a week from today. Uh, here's what the New York Times had to say about the Pirates over the weekend in an article kind of assessing where all the major league teams are at that was published on February 9th. Uh, the NY Times had this to say about your Buckos quote, The last time the Pirates started losing in 1993, they kept doing it for two decades. They're now into a two-year losing streak, but it shouldn't last that long. They traded Andrew McCutcheon and Garrett Cole this winter, but retain a solid core of young, major league-ready talent. The question is whether the Pirates will spend big in 2019 if those players start delivering on their potential. The answer, alas, will most likely be no. Nobody thinks the Pirates are trying, guys. Nobody. That's consistent across the board, then. That's their issue. They have a great new commercial. I'll give them that. And a uh, little uh, NFL leftovers. Did you hear about uh, Eagles offensive tackle Lane Johnson's appearance uh, yeah. with Barstool Sports on Friday? Yeah, this is great. He called uh, the Patriots a, quote, fear-based organization, unquote. And uh, Lane Johnson went, also, went on to say regarding New England, quote, obviously, do they win? Hell yeah, they win. They've won for a long time. Do I think people enjoy and can say, I had a lot of fun playing there? No, I don't. That's just the God's honest truth. They're successful, but when they go to interviews, they act like expletive robots. Hey, stop being an expletive head. We can be cordial for a little bit. You only get to do this job one time, so let's have fun while we're doing it. Not to be reckless, but I'd much rather have fun and win a Super Bowl than be miserable and win five Super Bowls. But hey, it is what it is. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I think that was a bleaker picture of what's actually occurring there. But I think there's there's a great degree of accuracy. It's interesting. There are two ways to skin a cat. There, there are more. There are way more than that. Yeah, there's there's more than one way. And I I, I go here. <laughs> nope, there's only two. First way. <laughs> I bring this up because I thought you can do it with fire. I thought the Steelers handled things really well right up until 
They lost to Jacksonville in the playoffs, which was the most important game of the year. But did they lose that because of the way they acted, or was it they couldn't play defense without Ryan Chazier and they turned the ball over? That stuff wasn't because of what they were saying. It was because of what they did and how they played. I, You know what I think it was? Uh, like, in looking back at it, there were a number of people who were Tomlin haters for a long time, much like Cower had his group of people that could not stand Bill Cower. And they had a myriad of reasons for why they thought he was not a good coach. And this season, because of the way things played out, it really allowed people to just dump on Tomlin. And, Even though they went 13-3. Right. But they should have gone 15-1. and one, And they should have won the Super Bowl. And it's because of yeah. all of the reasons. No, actually, should have been undefeated because they screwed up the New England game at the it's end. It's because of all of the reasons <laughs> that they have amassed through the years in their heads that we didn't win. So it became really easy to just super unload on Tomlin. If you win despite your eccentricities, then it was part of the character of the team. The think- 85 Bears, the 2004 Red Sox. Um, I think some of that relates to New England specifically, too, because... Pro football talk, for example, seems to compare everything to Bill Belichick. Something happens around yeah. the league, and they say, well, that would never happen on a Bill Belichick team. Which now we find out, yeah, a lot of stuff happens on a Bill Belichick team. They don't always win the Super Bowl. Uh, Here, here's the thing. Maybe if- there are multiple ways to skin that cat. But I think, you know, based on what we heard from the Steelers this year and then what we heard from Art Rooney when he visited with us on the show last week, and, uh, you know, Mike Tomlin probably could have handled that a little better, the Dungey interview. Uh, to paraphrase, Art yeah, II. boy, we but that was a a great interview with Art yeah. last week. I, yeah, I suspect it's going to get a little dull over there next year. That's they're going to decide that's not going to be an issue. Eh. What what they say huh? and and it's I not, like the trade off if it means winning a Super Bowl, yeah. right? Well, then that runs counter to what the um, what Lane Johnson, Lane Johnson said, right? Do you want to have fun? Do you want to let it rip? Shoot from the lip, say interesting stuff. The the Mike Mitchell quote about well. We'll play them in Haiti, we'll play them in hell, we'll play them in New England, and we're going to win. That was one of the great quotes in Steeler history. If, if you think that lost them the Jacksonville game. Yeah, but see, that that's I, the I, perspective of a sports writer. The perspective of a <laughs> fan is, I'd rather them say, I want them to be North Korean athletes. I don't want them to say a word when they're in an interview. Do you really, want, though? Yeah! Do you want to go from July yes. to February dull? And then, oh, we won! Hooray! To me, Mike, when they play well, when they the the their their play on the field is enough for me. That's entertainment mm-hmm. enough. I'm when they don't drop games to, to to crap squads. I just think a lot. I think a lot of these guys are interesting, and I think when they they reveal to us a little of their personalities, it's fun. I think yeah. we should we should play them in Haiti. I'm surprised the NFL hasn't uh, already branched out to Haiti. I'm you surprised know, there's not a you know, Port-au-Prince uh, you know, Pirates or something. When I, when I brought that up to Mitchell, Cody Sensible was sitting next to him, and he goes, oh, man, I've been to Haiti. Ooh. <laughs> you don't want to play him there. <laughs> he's, he's done a lot of uh, charitable work mm-hmm. there and uh, Sensible, mm-hmm. and he just threw that in like it wasn't – he didn't necessarily want to play anybody in Haiti. I didn't get the impression, but I don't know. Uh, I, I think it's – Obviously, the object of the exercise is to win, but I think when you can win and have fun doing it, that's when you really win. You know, when mm-hmm. when the whole thing, when the, when the the journey is as fun as the destination is satisfying, that's that's the perfect storm. Foul's got news coming up top of the hour.
Well, if you want to get lucky, be financially responsible. We'll talk about that. 30s today and sunshine, 10 degrees overnight tonight. It's 26 at DVE. We'll talk with Josh Getzoff, 915 from the Penguins Radio Network. And uh, talk about Sid hitting uh, the, uh, the 400 after a lengthy waits. Nice call for him. And uh, what's going to go on yeah. third line center, you know? New guy uh, on the job. Yeah. Good deal. Uh, All right, we'll talk about that with uh, Josh coming up. But, Mike, Valentine's Day is just around the corner. Randy, it's uh, fast approaching. Valentine's Day is just two days away. But thanks to Pro Flowers, you can win on Valentine's Day and keep winning. Roses from Pro Flowers will light up your Valentine's big day, and they'll keep working their magic well beyond Wednesday. When she gets up and has to go to work two days after Valentine's Day, they'll still be there. When she comes home after another crappy day at work five days after Valentine's Day, they'll still be there. And she'll see them, and she'll smile. And that's when you'll know that you've won Valentine's Day again. Roses from Pro Flowers are guaranteed to stay fresh for seven days. And they're guaranteed to arrive on a delivery date of your choosing, even this close to the big day. You can go with the Valentine's Day Classic, Gorgeous Red Roses, or you can try something new from Pro Flowers' assortment of unique bouquets and plants. And because you're listening to me right now, you can save 20% on any purchase of $29 or more by using my code, Mike P. Valentine's Day is just two days away. Don't delay. Order today. And save 20% on a purchase of $29 or more. Go to proflowers.com and use the Mike P code in the special boxes at checkout. Think inside the box this Valentine's Day. Order today from Pro Flowers. TV morning show. Sorry. Bill and I were kibitzing. Just, you know, shooting the breeze. You were telling me how much you admire Madman star John Hamm. No, I was telling you how much um, my wife admires oh. Madman star John Hamm. We we met him in person. Did you really? Yeah, he was at uh, one of the SNL after parties that we oh, went to. Was he? Is he? He's a handsome fellow. Uh, he's yes, he's a he's a good looking guy, <laughs> and it it made me very uncomfortable, and feel you know the surge, my usual inadequacy went up to the next level. Well, he also supposedly is packing a three liter down there. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. Well, thanks for that. Good. For whatever that's Serena isn't listening right hey, now. If you're going out to the uh, movies and you want to take the kids to see Peter Rabbit, keep in mind, it's, you know, kind of a dark tale. Okay? Is John Hamm in it? John Hamm is in it, and <laughs> he plays... knew Peter was that hung. Well, the character of Mr. McGregor in Peter Rabbit, people are, are angry. I think what's happening is... Why? Take their kids to see this and forget that the origins of this, some of Some of your fairy tales... And dark. fables and stuff. Yes. The- Involve eating children and killing things. However, that's not the case in this one. This not, It's nothing sort of nefarious that is upsetting people. It's the fact that Mr. McGregor is allergic to blackberries. Oh, God. The it's rabbits- African-American berries. Let's, let's the, do this the, the right ra- way. <laughs> Be appropriate. I don't think that's what the oh. major issue is. The rabbits fling the fruit at him. In a scene, and he's forced to use an EpiPen. Yes, people now, are very upset. They're they're mad. The charity group Kids with Food Allergies posted a warning about the scene on its Facebook page Friday. Twitter started using the hashtag hashtag boycott Peter Rabbit Ugh. because they have a character who's allergic to food. 
The group said allergy jokes are harmful to their community and making light of the condition, quote, encourages the public not to take the risk of allergic reactions seriously. Keith Mendez, the president and CEO of the Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America, wrote an open letter to the studio Saturday asking for the opportunity to educate the company and the film's cast on the blah, blah, blah. Examine your portrayal of the bullying in your films geared toward a young audience. All right, look. (laughs) This is... It's too far. We, nobody's marginalizing Advocating. or what. It's just it is what it is. A lot of people have food allergies. This character had one. I always find that whenever something like this comes up, my my immediate reaction is, oh, my God, get over it. And then I start to think about it. And I'm like, well, I, I don't want to offend people. If people are upset about something, then I can't unthink it. Then it's like, all right, well. Nobody wants anybody to be upset, but maybe we shouldn't be redefining the things that should be upsetting to people. (laughs) This is not an indictment of all people with food allergies. Do they laugh? I have an allergy to urethromycin. If somebody made fun of it, what? Hardcore antibiotic. Hold on a second. You can't just throw that out there. It's a hardcore antibiotic. I can't take. Walk us through this. Urethra. Yeah, what is that? <laughs> not no, not your, urethra. No. Only your urethra is allergic to it. <laughs> my erythromy, erythromycin. You ever get? That's like a, if you get no. if you get like a uh, pneumonia or something. It's like give Cipro. You it's a big. It's a big antibiotic. You know it's who a heavy had that? Urethra Franklin. Urethra Franklin did. <laughs> so they named it after. Yeah. The point is, if they make fun of it, I don't feel as though I'm being offended. Maybe this is not a. Uh, uh, a this is a. What do you call it? One of those uh, false. Uh, Equivalencies? Equivalencies, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm on his side now. I don't know. I'm not going to see the movie in any case, but it's not because there's no. a character that has a really food. good. It looks awesome. Yeah. Graphics look very good. But aren't we allowed to make fun of people with food allergies? We're not allowed to eat peanuts in front of them. I get it. I'm not saying we should you make them sick. You... But like, can can a character have it without it all like, of a sudden being... A cartoon bunny? Yeah. Not if they want people that have food allergies to come see their movie. Kids can't even take... F- any kind of food to school for for oh, treats? No. Peanut like butter's nothing out. At Peanut all. butter's over. The days that you can't even take a PBJ to school anymore? Nope. Oh. Not if you have a kid in your in your class or in your Probably school in that school. has a food allergy. Well, there's a scene in that movie Bad Moms where they like joke about that at a PTA meeting where someone's like, "Here are the things you can't include in the bake sale," and it's basically everything. Yeah. So I don't. I was talking to my sister-in-law about having a pizza party for the kids' school. She's like, "No, no, no, no food at all, none." I get it. That's fine. I don't want kids to get sick. No, I'm but just. I don't but know that we need to make a big deal about this particular portrayal of somebody having uh, a food allergy. It's to blackberries. Isn't there? Aren't there like a bunch of different fairy tales that have like? strawberry allergies or something like there's something like i don't i don't know know. i'm trying to think (laughs) i think back in the day was the strawberry shortcake uh, ironically named (laughs) (laughs) no oh really no she she lived inside a strawberry oh i thought she was deathly allergic oh my god that would have been a very short-lived show (laughs) (laughs) her eyes just swell shut completely (laughs) i completely misunderstood the entire (laughs) pretext of that uh, Strawberry and, dead cake. Anyways, <laughs> hashtag boycott Peter Rabbit trended briefly this weekend. Oh, hashtag Peter Cottontail. Okay. You remember that song? Remember when it. When you were a kid? 
Sing it every day. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! I pulled out uh, like the three little pigs story. At, we were at the uh, the library. I was there with my sister's kids. Mm-hmm. I and they, she has kids that are three and two. So I'm like, oh, let me read this great little book. And then it's like, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house in. And then he blows the the straw apart and and eats the pig. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> and they're like, oh my god. Yeah. He ate the pig. Yeah. I'm like, I forgot about that yeah. part. Just remember, just tell well, them, make sure you remind them that what that wolf is is actually, that's gluten, okay? Yeah. And- <laughs> there's, a, there's a brief uh, clip of him in here in Pittsburgh in 1980. At the Civic Green, and he's on is stage. Is this during his ace, uh, his racist bender? Uh, it was right around that time, and he's like, "Hello, I'm gonna have a drink. Is that okay?" And he's clearly like hammered, and he starts having a drink, and he's getting heckled by people. Ah, Clean up up. your act, (laughs) red that act up. (laughs) Mort, Mort, pay good money, come down here and see you. (laughs) What are you doing, slow hand? (laughs) Could be the jig. Clean it up. Play that cream. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Yeah, woke up to a surprise of a few inches of snow this morning, and that was disconcerting, to say the least. It was weird. I told Bill, it felt like the birds. Everything was quiet. When I had gone to bed, there was no snow. (laughs) I woke up a few hours later, and there's three inches piled up on my back patio. Lots of snow. And I'm just looking at it like, I don't. Didn't it rain when did this happen? before I went to bed? It was in wasn't, the 50s yesterday. Isn't Yeah, I wasn't wearing a jacket. It all snuck in under the cloak of darkness. And then it was just completely quiet, and then my driveway is full of snow. And uh, treacherous uh, driving for the first part of uh, my ride into work. And once Tr- you drive over your driveway, like once you drive over the snow, it's an snow. absolute can't. nightmare to shovel in. Oh, those tread marks. You yeah. can't. No, you can't. It's over. It's just big ice marks. So now everything seems to be cleared out, at least on the main roads or melted or whatever. But two-hour delays were handed out once again all over the city. So this is one of the worst winters ever for that. I it feel seems like, like it's every day. Cancel, I do cancel, feel like cancel. there's been a lot of them that didn't need to occur. Yes, like today feels like all right. Everybody, get up 15 minutes earlier, and you'll deal with it. Well, nobody knew to get up 15 minutes earlier. I guess that's the problem <laughs> today, anyway. Yeah. Uh, or just, you know, do what you can. If you're late, you're late. We'll, right. we'll adjust. Make your I way in when you can. Maybe it's because this is such a hilly town. Yeah. Like the school buses have trouble, maybe. Yeah, but has it changed? I don't ever remember. I live. I grew up in Pittsburgh. I went to the Pittsburgh public schools. I swear to God, they never called off. People except if it was a blizzard. People didn't used to sue as much. Back then. I think I remember somebody telling me once that the school buses, because of the gasoline they yes. use, it's like gel and they have to let them warm up longer. So if, if it hits if it's a certain super temperature, cold, right. then yeah. My high school never, never canceled. I remember like twice, never. I think, ever. And that was, I think, because of ice, not cold or snow. Snow days were the greatest, though. From the kids' perspective, it's so funny how it changes. Me and my wife were texting this morning like, God. <laughs> I'm gonna have to use a PTO day. Uh, this is ridiculous. They're home again, son of a. As a kid, it's like, oh, it's the greatest feeling in the world. My dad was a school teacher, so we would get the phone call real early that it was called yeah. off, and I'd just you'd 
be asleep in your room and you'd hear the phone ring, it would wake you up and you look at the clock. Yep, that's the <laughs> that's the that's call. the no school call and yes. then you just roll back yes. over. Yes. Yeah. I just that meant I was just watching T V for three hours. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Got lots of T V. Gonna watch Laverne and Shirley. <laughs> Make your Go way outside. Riding. If anybody lives on your street, you know, you're quarantined to just basically your block, but still. You're in the alley. Everything's awesome. Yeah, but yeah. So I mean, they're on two-hour delay. So everyone's, you know, right now I'm sure making their way towards school. Val has an update for you. What's happening? Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. Center 11. It's 27 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. How unsettling is this? State police say a burglar left a beyond creepy message written on the wall of an Armstrong County homeowner's shower last week. Troopers say someone went into the Washington Township home of a 40-year-old woman about 7.30 p.m. Thursday and wrote the words, I was here on per- in permanent marker on a shower wall. Troopers say whoever did it was able to gain access without forcing their way inside. You better- uh, somebody knows her. That's uh, Might not have been. If- sounds like maybe the door was open if they didn't force their self inside. I thought... I thought- or themselves? I thought I was being burgled last night. Really? Yeah. Why? I, it's something, there was a big noise in the middle of the night, and I'm like, I don't have a dog anymore. Yeah. I'm the only person here. Hmm. There's you no do? reason. So I got up, and I like, you know, because I'm, I'm upstairs. <laughs> Were you thinking of a horror movie? I'm like, yeah, well, Black Mirror's got me totally Why I'm like, here comes the Gestapo. <laughs> They're going to drag me out of here. And so I got, I went to the top of the stairs, and I just kind of like stood there, and I'm like, what the hell was that? And then, of course, everything starts creaking right. downstairs. Like, er, er, er. And I'm like, mm. so then I had my phone and uh, like, and the light from the phone. I'm like thinking it's too bright. And then I just started thinking about like, well, if somebody's down there, I mean, clearly, I'm going to jump out the window. I'm not going to confront <laughs> them. They can have everything. Uh, <laughs> well, I can. Uh, I have a flashlight on my phone, so. They'll at least get some bright eyes. A buddy of mine lived on the south side. His uh, bed was on the third floor, and he had an air conditioning unit up there, so he turned on the air conditioner and uh, closed the door and went to bed, and uh, thieves came in and robbed the first two floors of his house. Oh, my God. While he was sleeping. He didn't wow. hear a thing. Yeah. That's terrifying. So I didn't know if it was the air conditioning bandits that were maybe coming over, but <laughs> I was basically like acquiescing. I'm like, you know what? I'm tired. If you guys are going to steal stuff, just don't be too loud. That's the thing about <laughs> if you don't have a dog now. I know if I hear something and the dogs don't react, I'm okay. Right. If they start pacing around the house and it's like, yikes. (laughs) I've thought I've heard somebody and I've just laid there. I've been like, look, (laughs) if they're going to rob the house, they're probably not going to stab me if I'm just laying on my stomach. (laughs) Will they? Come on. I'm not getting up. No, but you get so tired, you're like, "Uh, I'm ready to die. I don't want. Okay. I don't want a confrontation right you, now. Either take the TV, whatever. I don't care. Well, if you want to be lucky in love, you better keep your finances in order. Some new surveys show that debt makes you less attractive to a potential partner. <laughs> a survey by personal finance site Credible revealed that one in five people decided not to date someone because that person had debt. And according to a recent survey by Finder.com, 76% of Americans said credit card debt was a reason to get out of a relationship. <laughs> what do you think the number is for credit, for credit card debt? What amount when somebody's like, no way. 10K. 40. No, it's like 40? Th- 300. Three, uh, 300,000 in credit card debt? 
Yeah. Who has $300,000 in credit card debt? People my sister dates. <laughs> <laughs> How many? It's $11,500. Okay. Okay. There you go. I was closest about Mike, going over. That's right. You win the showcase Ding, showdown. ding, 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 ding. Another... Uh, another survey found that 28% of people said having too much de- too much debt was a reason to end a relationship. Wouldn't it be funny if, like, when you met someone right in the beginning, they pulled your credit score? <laughs> I'm just going to pull your credit, and we'll see how this works out at dinner. I <laughs> swear to God, my sister, the first five, she's finally with, like, a great guy, but the first five guys she dated, it was just like... Their credit scores combined, they couldn't have like got a rental car for a weekend. <laughs> oh, same with me and Serena. She was $30,000 in credit card debt. Oh, my word. And I had student loans. She declared bankruptcy and was back in business like two years later. I you know, went to school for a higher education, aft for life. It's not going away. <laughs> I'm be paying this off till I'm 90. Bill, just remember, there's strength in numbers. I don't know what that means. I, neither do I. <laughs> but there is strength in numbers. Could you be more specific off air? Well, you've got a lot of numbers. Okay. And they are strong. If I put all the numbers together. Yeah. There's strength there somewhere. Derive strength from the amount of debt that you need to pay off. <laughs> Finally, Saturday was the 40th anniversary of the debut album from Van Halen, produced by Ted Templeman, known for his work with the Doobie Brothers, Van Morrison, Little Feet, and Carly Simon. It contained a lot of their huge hits. Running with the Devil, Ain't Talking About Love, Jamie's Crying, and their covers of You Really Got Me and Ice Cream Man. Uh, the album went gold in May of 1978 and platinum that October, a steady climb, uh, which was absolutely fine with bassist Michael Anthony. One thing I really thank God for is that it was a steady building process. Even though I thought our music was great, I'm glad we didn't bust onto the scene like maybe a Boston or a band like that around that time where all of a sudden they're thrown into the stadiums and whatever because I think we really appreciate the success a lot more. Sunny today, temperatures in the low 30s, 10 degrees overnight tonight. It's 27 at DVE. Penguins get the W in St. Louis yesterday. Sid gets his 400th and joining us right now from the Penguins Radio Network, it is play-by-play announcer Josh Getzoff. Josh, good morning. How are you, man? Hey, guys. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for making time for us this morning. So, uh, Coach Sullivan described this weekend for them. Mike, could you give me the... Huge accomplishment. He said it was a huge accomplishment uh, for the team. It, does that sound like something that might have just been uh, a uh, uncharacteristically sort of careless characterization of what happened this past weekend? Was he just kind of like throwing out a soundbite? Or does he really think that that is a huge accomplishment for the two-time defending Stanley Cup champs? I think it is, guys, and I think it's a huge accomplishment because of the teams they beat, because they faced the St. Louis Blues, the Dallas Stars, in two games in essentially less than 48 hours, uh, a little bit of travel obviously involved as well. Those are two teams that are in the Central Division that is basically as jam-packed, if not even tighter than the Metro Division, where the Penguins obviously are right in the thick of things right now. And uh, Those teams, two teams are, I know have Stanley Cup aspirations. They have hopes that they can make a deep run this spring. Uh, and they've been pl- both playing really good hockey at the time the Penguins ran into them. I believe the Stars had won four in a row before beating the Penguins uh, in a shootout on Friday night. And the Blues had won two straight, but had been really good in the 2018 calendar year, much like the Penguins, uh, coming into yesterday. So I think that you look at that and you look at the two road games uh, dynamic that they played over the weekend, three out of four points is a pretty impressive showing uh, given the opponents and given the stage of the season that, they were, that we're at right now with the fence. Do you think this is something to uh... – 
look forward to in terms of the Penguins figuring things out on the road. It's been real uneven away from home. Yeah, Mike, it has not been uh, it has not been kind to them uh, away from PPG Paints Arena. But this definitely, I think, was a good step in the right direction just because of where you won the games. I mean, they have not had a lot of success since Sidney Crosby's come into the fold in Pittsburgh and St. Louis. They just don't win there that often. Uh, to get a, so to get a victory there yesterday, I think, was big. The Stars, I, I know they lost the game, but to get a point and get the point how they did, scoring late in regulation to tie that game up uh, and forcing overtime was also big as well. And now you kind of ride that momentum coming back home here for a three-game homestand where they have been really good, and they've won eight straight games in a row at PPG Paints Arena. And you'll play the Ottawa Senators, who obviously the Penguins won't look past on Tuesday night, but are at the bottom of the standings in the Eastern Conference before you get the L.A. Kings and the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs to round things out. So there's an opportunity here to continue to build off the game that you played in these past two contests and, and take it a step further against Ottawa Tuesday night. And, you know, you, you look at the standings right now in the Metro, I know the Capitals have two games in hand on the Pens, but they're only four points back of first place. And uh, we saw what they did to the Caps just a couple weeks ago here in Pittsburgh. So I, I think that that's not an unrealistic uh, hope for this group right now with how they're playing and how they've really turned it around here uh, in the 2018 calendar year. Yeah, I think they're 12-5 and five since uh, the calendar turned. And if you look, yeah, twelve, twelve, four, and one. Yep. If if you look at yesterday, uh, Brian Rust getting a goal, just being persistent on the forecheck. Uh, Riley Shan getting one because Dominic Simone was able to get deep and uh, take the puck away below the other team's goal line. Kind of old Penguin style goals from the last two years. Uh, do they look like they're playing more the way they need to play? In addition to winning more than they had been winning. Yeah, well, yesterday was definitely as much as they've looked like themselves in the last two years, I think. And, and basically, to your point about those goals is, is the reason why I think that. I mean, you get a goal from Riley Sheehan, who I shouldn't mention is playing some really good hockey for the mm-hmm. Penguins right now. The two goals over the last two games aside, his game has hit another level here over the last month. Uh, Brian Russ getting him back from injury a couple weeks ago was huge. We all know what he brings from a speed dynamic, and his finishing touch is a bit underrated. Uh, as well, and then obviously have the captain scoring his 400th goal. And I think the biggest thing of all yesterday was Matt Murray played perhaps his best game of the season. Uh, he made some incredible stops in the third period when the Penguins took a 2-1 lead uh, to keep them up by a goal, most notably the glove save on Vladimir Tarasenko uh, with the Blues on the power play. Those are the kind of stops that Murray's made the last couple of years, particularly in the playoffs when the Penguins have needed it and they've been back on their heels a bit, and he, he did that again for them yesterday. So I think you kind of mix all that together, and you've seen what they've done uh, in that contest against the Blues, and you've seen how they've played here over the last month or so. And I, there's a lot of reason, I think, to be optimistic about how this group is looking as they get set for uh, a homestand, and then obviously with what's looming in the next couple of weeks and the NHL trade deadline. Yeah, so throw in also that Carl Hagelin looks like Carl Hagelin again. Do you need right. another center? I think you do just for the sake of matchups in the playoffs. And I know Mike Sullivan's not going to speak about matchups or, for that matter, even name his lines. He's hesitant to even call Sidney Crosby the center of his first line from time to time. So I, I think that that's going to be something that they'll be mum on. But it would be very surprising to me if there wasn't a move made. I still don't know if Carter Rowney's the ultimate answer as a fourth-line center. And for that matter, with as good as Riley Sheehan has been, if there's an opportunity to upgrade yourselves in the middle on the third line, I think the Penguins will go look at that as well. The problem for Pittsburgh right now is the salary cap. They're right up against it. Uh, a lot of these guys that I see being rumored to be dangled out there, they would require a contract leaving Pittsburgh uh, to go for the player that they're talking about. For example, guys like Pajot and Derek Broussard uh, from Ottawa, they have 
price tags that are well for, for Broussard, it's over five million dollars. Uh, for Pajot, I believe it's above two. So you're talking about a team that's that's under a million from the cap right now in, in the Penguins, trying to acquire some names out there that are a little bit pricier and would require some movement. Now, if anyone can make it happen, it's going to be Jim Rutherford because <laughs> obviously he's been able to do that the last couple of years and finagle ways to get the right players in and the right pieces into this lineup. But it's not going to be as simple as a trade for a player. There's going to be other uh, dynamics to it. And then you question, do you really want to shake things up too much with how the Penguins are playing right now? As we've said, they seemingly have hit their stride uh, at this point in the season. And, and that's kind of what Mike Sullivan hopes for from his group is that February starts to begin the trend of upward play into March, April, and beyond. We've seen that here in the early stages of February. Josh Ketzoff from the Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network this morning. Thanks for your time, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Okay, we'll see you. Right. You know, the the Matt Murray stuff, uh, him having a good game, too, not lost in that, was that it was Father's yeah, Weekend. Yeah, about that? Had to be a pretty heavy one for so the So for him to, uh, to, to bounce back and have that great game on, on Sunday, I think speaks volumes. Mike's got a quick sports update when we come back here and uh the yinzer olympics going on basically right now at least for one family over in <laughs> pyongyang and uh is it pyongyang yeah but pyongyang. you're saying it's still in a certain kind of way is it, am i am i am i racist is it no. is that racist joe no. is that racist uh, kind of maybe joe right, is, i didn't mean uh, to be undecided on All the right. fence like most it's racists, pronounced pyongyang <laughs> All right, quick break. We'll be right back. Mike has your sports on DVE. Oh, yeah. All right. That's me again. I'd screw that up. Sorry, Bill and I. I wanted to hear poison. Yeah, I just wanted to hear a little poison. That's two turnovers in one half. Hey, man. Hey. It's all right. Error. It's because I'm, you know, I feel like I'm back in the game yet, even though I'm not supposed to be. So I'm. So you're playing hurt. That's your. My control issues are taking over. Yeah. Hey, so at any rate, it's the DVE morning show. There's a new documentary out called Love and Saucers. <laughs> it's not about kittens. No, it is definitely not about kittens. It is, in fact, a uh, thrilling account of extraterrestrial sexual encounters. All these people got X-filed. Oh, yeah. But there's one guy in particular in this documentary, Love and Saucers, that... I thought was extremely interesting. His name is David Huggins. David Huggins says he was deflowered as a child while 17. Can you be deflowered if you're a guy? Yeah, 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 you have sure. a flower. Oh, okay. It's, I mean, it's more like a, it's an eggplant flower, but I mean, <laughs> don't eggplants grow on vines or something? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that. Well, he lost his eggplant when he was 17. <laughs> And it was a, a female extraterrestrial. Here's David talking about it. My name is David Huggins. I'm 72 years old, 72. and I live in Hoboken, New Jersey. <laughs> this is the woman I never told anyone about. When I was 17, I lost my virginity to a female extraterrestrial. That's all I can say about it. That's all I can say, but he can paint about it because that's what he's been doing. For years now, David, who went to art school in New York has been painting depictions of his sexual encounters with aliens. Now, before I get further into describing these pictures, I want to tell you a little bit more about his relationship with extraterrestrials. It didn't stop with that one time. No. According to him, these visits from extraterrestrials 
continued into adulthood. His last encounter was with an ET named Crescent. Uh, Now was only six months ago. David said, "Wow, yeah." He said he was sitting down in a chair, and the woman Crescent was behind him, and she put her arms around him. Was it his shower chair? (laughs) Because he's seventy-two. It was just like image upon image upon image. It wouldn't stop. I was so scared. The eyes were just glowing straight toward me. And we floated up to some type of craft. I said, you hurt me, you hurt me. No, 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 no. Yeah, so he didn't want it to happen. David, behind you, he heard. And then that happened. He never thought it was the boogeyman. Uh, The insect-like beings continued to visit uh, visit him. He said, my relationship with Crescent was warm and friendly, a little strange. What do I mean, a little? Very strange. She was my girlfriend, really. A very unconventional <laughs> relationship, he said. So he started doing these paintings. Um, Wait, they were different aliens visiting him or the same one, Crescent? Well, the Crescent's been the most recent. Oh, okay. All right. And but, he's been really, you know, in a solid relationship. I think they've been monogamous. He's been painting about these relationships, though, his whole life. Uh, and one of the first paintings he ever made was of him and Crescent. So this, this has been a long relationship. Uh, and it's them having sex. So he paints all these erotic paintings of him having sex. <laughs> erotic alien With the ETs. Paintings. And he said, look, the painting's not all that good. She was on top of me. I reached climax. Then she and the insect being leave. So someone's watching them? Yeah, apparently. Or is it a threesome? Uh, no, no. The other person seems to be like very, it's very clinical. It's, it's Sounds like very an clinical. eyes wide shut party on the, uh, the yeah. saucer there. Now they do interview, uh, a professor of philosophy and religious thought at Rice University named Jeffrey Creepel in this documentary who talks about studying erotic mysticism and how he says the whole history of religion, uh, is essentially about weird beings coming from the sky and doing strange things to human beings. And historically, those events or encounters have been framed as angels or demons or gods or goddesses. But in the modern sort of secular world we live in, they get framed as science fiction. <laughs> now, on to the actual paintings. <laughs> they are pictures of him having sex with aliens. All right? These portraits that he mm-hmm. has uh, composed. See, but the thing is... Anatomy-wise... I the, think he might be off. The the alien women ladies, they got <laughs> they got the insect head, but they got great boobs, like <laughs> massive sweater, massive puppets. huge boobs that yeah. are very human boobs. They are straight. Those are human boobs, well, nipples I, and everything. I well, mean, maybe that's the way they are. It's there. We know. Uh, I don't think they. Maybe would they be. nurse. I mean. This guy, they could nurse <laughs> a, a small village. Yes. <laughs> These are, it's yeah. like. Do you have the pictures <laughs> over there? Uh, I don't because they're in the documentary, but I sent Bill the video clip to, to look, <laughs> yeah. look at it. I mean. It's pretty great. <laughs> and he's, Whoa, look at that alien rack. Where'd that come from? 100% serious about it. What's this guy's name? Uh, Hubbard. Um, and the aliens not even wearing a bra oh, sorry, or a tube top or anything. David Huggins, no. So, but it's like he's banging an alien, and it's very traditional, like erotic, you know, figures. That's how unevolved we are as a species. That's all we think about. Like aliens, they touch your winky. Yeah. Uh. Uh-uh. 
No. I they're, saw, they're, yeah. adve- they're trying to find out about our culture, not bang us. I saw an alien. <laughs> yeah. Did you bang it? Did you hit that? Did you hit that alien? Well, they wear outfits. They have clothing on. She have some heavy hangers? I mean, describe her to me. Um, oh, no. Back on alien Star Trek, had... all the aliens were hot. Well, most of them. Yeah, but that's not real life, Mike. That's Star Trek. This What's is real, real life, life extraterrestrial. Oh, my Lord. Oh, are you looking at the video right now? No, I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking at a Vice story. It's got a couple of the... The portraits. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Val, go, go further into that and take a look at, at the huge, huge boobs that this guy paints on. <laughs> oh, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> She's got kind of a manly torso. Maybe she's from like space Thailand. <laughs> huh. She has nice hair. Great long luxurious hair, luxurious I'll hair. Give her that. And uh, perfectly rounded boobs. So if that's how you'll know you're with an authentic extraterrestrial by the way. If she drops her out, does she say, ha, crescent moon? <laughs> I just love the idea of, like, on a spaceship and Crescent's like, can we swing past Hoboken? I got to hit my boo. Yeah. They love having sex with 72-year-old men. <laughs> it, it is all happening in the bow these days. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. So uh, be on the lookout for extraterrestrials. <laughs> be on the lookout. And, oh, uh, I'm ready. Well, I think we should buy some of his art and hang it here in the studio. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Quick break. We'll be right back. DVE. It's the DVE Morning Show. Women at the gym are enjoying themselves more than guys. Why? Here's why. Because since 1953... (laughs) Women have been having orgasms in the gym. What? That's what this says. And this doesn't lie. I took it off the internet. The corgasm. That's right. It sounds like the worst CrossFit class ever. While you're doing an intense workout, your body can reach an orgasm because of the release of endorphins. All right. Now, it's more prevalent during ab workouts. So is farting. I was just going to say, isn't that so funny? Like, guys fart, women are having orgasms in the gym. That says all you need to know about the makeup of those two. Yeah, because the female body is a supercomputer, and the male body is a speak and spell. Uh, a corgasm can potentially last for hours. Contractions can be felt in the abdomen and inner thighs. For hours? Yeah. So, corgasms... First addressed in 1953 by sexologist Alfred Kinsey. In Sexual Behavior in the Human Female, he wrote that 5% of women he spoke with mentioned experiencing orgasms during exercises. Okay, so it's a very small percentage. That was in 1953. Now, there wasn't that many women exercising. So you... Go ahead. Sorry. Well, probably not ideal to, you know, start... You know, while you're out in public. Every creepy guy (laughs) at the gym is now going to be looking at women thinking... She uh, having a corgasm right no, now? No, every guy's already I probably gave things. her that one. <laughs> You're welcome, sweetheart. <laughs> yeah, I'll leave. That's fine. You know how like women used to want to know what their husband's secretary looked like? You know, it seemed like uh, more of like a uh, trope. 
type thing from the seventies where the guy would have an affair with his hot secretary because yeah, she was the only one in the office, right? The only female, and so they would w- demand to know what his secretary looked like. Like now, like guys, you better check on your wife's personal trainer. <laughs> I want to see a picture of your elliptical. Show it to me. <laughs> I don't trust that thing. Uh, some dudes in my gym sound like they're having orgasms when they're lifting weights. <laughs> well, I that's why that. Planet Fitness has a lunk alarm <laughs> for guys like that. You go, that's so awesome. An alarm goes off. I love that. There should be a and junk they, alarm for the locker room. Do they then drop the weight? Yeah, that always happens too. Slams on the ground. Yeah. If you hear me screaming at the gym, call an ambulance. <laughs> There's, I hurt something badly. <laughs> I never make a sound at the gym. <laughs> <laughs> Just doesn't happen. Mm-mm. Take a couple weights off if you're doing that. Yeah, yeah. I want to go over to these people. What are you? What, what are you training for? What are, are you in the Olympics? Yeah, you're, you're not. You're trained. Settle down. You're competing against yourself. You know that as much as anybody. Yeah. I get why they do it. Do it at home. <laughs> you're in public. Corgasms, though. I don't think it's cool to have an orgasm in public either. <laughs> Just putting it out there. I mean, no, but I, I wonder if like that's happening for older women at curves. <laughs> you know what Maybe. I mean? I wonder if it requires you being ultra fit or if it's just, I don't know. Is this a, a secret? Is this like the longest best kept secret that uh, we've never known women orgasm their way through no wonder that jane fonda thing was so damn (laughs) successful back in the day very contemporary reference once again i mean i think my average the the girl from three's company popped into my head so i'm not far behind (laughs) i I think my average today is i'm all right about 1983 Uh, yep i'd say that's pretty accurate that's good Really? Adrian Barbeau drags it down into the seventies. Yeah, I did Adrian Barbeau, Gina Lola Brigida. Yeah, you know Lola all the all the way back, all the contemporary. What was the Adrian <laughs> Barbeau reference? I missed that. One. The boobs on the the aliens. <laughs> they had Adrian Barbeau's, whose talent was only that she had big boobs. I think that's a timeless reference in your defense. No, no. but you're old. I mean, like, well, yeah, but it isn't. I don't really know who that is. <laughs> You really don't Cannonball know Run? Her. Google it, kids. Okay, I know, yeah. th- I know that, but I, I don't know her name. Swamp Thing? The Fog? The original movie? Maud? And then there's Maud. Yeah, Maud I don't remember, but I mean, no. I know it existed. I, I just didn't watch it. She was the daughter. Yeah, I get. I just didn't, I didn't watch it. I knew her from Swamp Thing and from Cannonball Run. She was the radio announcer in the Stephen King's The Fog, the original. Oh, really? Yeah. Just to stay in your time period, to think at that time when you were with a woman that to get her where she needed to go, you had to have a Nordic track in your bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> hey, bust out the gazelle. Hop on that thing for a minute. Maybe you get all the way where you want to go. I'll tell you what. <laughs> you want to you want to put a woman as far away from orgasming as possible. Let her watch you do one of those. Oh, oh. doing that. What was stupid... the dude with the ponytail who was selling those? Oh my hey, god. Adrian Barbeau's in a movie. This like she's in one, two, three, six things this year. Contemporary reference. Really? See? Yeah. Adrian Barbeau. What's she in? Stuff that's like in post production. One's called the story of a really old lady who nobody knows <laughs> anything about. She's in this special called Old People that nobody knows. She does a lot of voice work. 
Does she? Mm-hmm. Maude, where are they now? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Corgasm at the gym today. It's a real thing. Enjoy it. It's your uh, two days away from Valentine's Day. So, yeah. Make sure you get yourself prepared. Get in there. Get it done. Really get in there and just, yeah, go all the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks to uh, Josh Getzoff. <laughs> he sure well, does. But seriously. For uh, uh, <laughs> joining us today. Wipe the machines down. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just a courtesy. It's just protocol. <laughs> uh, tomorrow on the show, more stuff. <laughs> Michelle's got the electric lunch coming up here. You guys got anything? You got anything? Oh, yeah. I just wanted to thank everybody that came out to see Sean Blackham and I at Gianelli's, too. It was great to be on the, on that show with them. Now, look, I never saw the original Gianelli's, so that place didn't really make any sense to me. Right. But uh, great crowd and uh, really fun <laughs> show. So thanks to everybody out in Greensburg. Congrats to uh, Donnie Iris for having another big show, Val. You were there, uh, uh, MC, and you brought him on. Yeah. What a great show. Awesome right across crowd. the way in Greensburg. Uh, I've- we posted the video of them doing oddly on Solid Gold. So good. Oh, my God. It's amazing. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Donnie's super tight fro is glorious. And uh, congrats to uh, Chet Vincent. He released his new record this past Sunday and let me t- or Saturday night at Get Hip Records. That is, if you are a record buyer, if you're into vinyl, you got to get down to Get Hip on the north side. It's like on Chateau Street down by the old jail. Mm-hmm. It, I'll tell you what, it's a killer place, and they have a great performance space. That was the first time I was there. That was like a who's who of Pittsburgh music there that night. Nice. There was so many, like, uh, you know, uh, movers and shakers and, you know, old school uh, Pittsburgh music vets and uh, the newer school. It was fun, man. That was a great time, and boy, did he sound good. It, was, it sounded great Friday on the show. It was it was such a fun Yeah, he night. did. He sounded great. Uh, okay, more stuff tomorrow. That's it. We're out of here. Michelle's up next. See you. I'm finished.